Goddamn. That was a good old burp. Uh, Mike's already rolling, by the way. <laughs> like, oh, nah, my bad. I'm fucking ripped. No, no, it, it's no good. Like, I just it's just the cold open. <laughs> pretty much. I'm trying to do like a podcast out where people are already talking before the record button hits yeah, and shit. Well, hey, we can. I was just seeing like how that would roll. Well, how far back do we go when Over. we start talking? Well, fuck, we can. Just what was start the first whenever. thing I said? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> when I pressed record, but I didn't know what you were exactly saying. This is the heavy hashtag podcast. Yeah, this isn't the intro intro. This is still cold open. We can yeah. just talk. <laughs> Pretty but, much. Uh, I've, I've started putting that little fool's gold like riff as like the as kind of like a signifier yeah. so that they know it's the cold open instead of just actually cold talking. Oh, them shitty riffs. No, just... <laughs> That's an Anthony riff too. You just shit. Uh, I mean, all my riffs are shitty too. Yeah. I got like I got a couple of our songs mixed into some of the audio. I got that like the intro song is Killdozer. The closing songs Poor Man's Doom. All right, and then on another subject, every time they do the cold opens where everybody's like, uh, "Are we rolling?" I'm always like, "Bullshit!" You knew it was rolling. You knew it was rolling, but. Dude. You That's funny. That that is funny because I didn't. So fuck. Who am I to <laughs> who am I to tell? Yeah, when, <laughs> like when I post this thing, you'll figure it out. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll just like have a fade in essentially. So uh, you said you had something to say for the cold open here. Some <laughs> well, like, now I'm bashful and shy because oh, no, the record button's on I now. Know. It's a prop issue. I, I wasn't I wasn't prepped. I didn't go my me 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get the vocal warm ups in. Oh, uh, but. Yeah, today, the day we are recording this is February 24th. Ah, 24th. <laughs> there we go. I'm doing the Dante intro. Yeah. <laughs> the Porky Pig. February 24th. But uh, so it's the day before yours truly. Uh, shot out of a womb. Just shot like a cannon. Like Well, just actually, no, I did not. I tried to hang myself with the umbilical cord. Pew! And uh, surviving that means I was born a failure. <laughs> but uh but yeah so uh storm tucker gets to kick off its calendar year tomorrow at al's bar and i don't know will this episode be up tomorrow afternoon are you delaying it it'll be up by tomorrow like i'm gonna try to get this up uh, either tonight or tomorrow morning all right so y'all determine whether he's a liar or not we'll yeah, figure it out pretty much like i don't know <laughs> most people are gonna listen to it by the time the show runs most likely but uh but yes and uh I wasn't even really concerned with doing a birthday show this year. I kind of felt like thirty was a like a good banger to be like, yeah, whatever. We'll retire well, the birthday then we show. Lose the birthday show excuse. Well, <laughs> and Bron Dabney, you know everybody's favorite, very loud yeti of a man. He's he's such he, a he, he fucking. I don't know if he messaged me or saw me somewhere. Either way, he's like, hey, you doing a birthday show this year? <laughs> And I had offered them a spot last year. It didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but last year we had uh, she, she, uh, she, Bud. She, Bud, and Karn. With, with their letters combined. or I mean, I guess, what, one more letter than us? <laughs> quick math, quick math, quick yeah, math. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, guess so. I was going to say, we were trying to get the shortest band names possible, apparently, she, last year. <laughs> yeah, we went Storm Toker. We just had to be epic with ours. I, I mean, this year we got Fairy Ring. Fairy Ring, yes. And uh, just... For current uh, topical events, they are releasing an album very soon, and they just released their second single yesterday, and that shit is amazing. Yes, I personally haven't gotten around to listening oh, to it yet, but I will listen. Beefy to it. Beauty, ah, it's great. I fucking love them. And then, uh, 
like I said, of course, she returns for yet another birthday. They're she tired. They're probably tired of it, but they keep coming. We stand, we stand <laughs> she so hard. We just want to play all the shows with she. Uh, I mean, she is every Stoner Doom uh, band in Kentucky's favorite band. So, literally, I don't know. I mean, every, everybody. If just, anybody gets signed, they should. Please. Yeah, everybody. Everybody raves about them, and it's it's well deserved. Their they, their riffs go harder than your riffs. Kick all the ass. And also speaking of podcast sharing, uh, talk about the podcast. Old Bale, frontman of she has a wonderful podcast of his own called To Ellen Back, talking about a secular skeptics Bible podcast that everyone should check out. I'm learning some education about the Bible and Christian denominations and stuff, and I'm not even religious either, but it's it's educational. So I don't, I had, I don't listen to his podcast, but I check out his Twitch quite often, but I have no idea what the fuck his handle is, so just look up She and you'll find it eventually, yeah, probably. Lord Bale, I'm pretty sure, is yeah. one of those. But, uh, but yeah, so... And like I said, uh, yeah, I'm really high. Sorry, y'all. But uh, as far as the, it wouldn't be David if he wasn't high. the birthday show tradition, and just tomorrow being our first show of the year, and some of the shows that we've already been kind of offered this year, we're gonna play with the Mighty Daikaiju again. And uh, I'm hyped for that one. The, the Holler Doom lineup is a fucking banger. We have like it's we haven't played any shows yet this year, and we have already half a year's worth. Of like awesome shit to look forward to. Yeah, and everything that like we're looking forward to is awesome. I think last year, honestly, musically was the most rewarding I've ever had in my life. Um, so I mean, just the milestone of starting off the year, turning thirty, to calendar year later, and turning thirty-one here. Like we've played with so many incredible bands over the past year that like literally most of my music taste is bands we've played with. Like remember those like Spotify uh, like end of year playlists and those like little festival playlists like ninety percent of the recent bands on David's list were all bands we played with or our friends with and it's ge- generally just really fucking cool that seventeen years into playing an instrument like I'm I'm able to play with so many great bands and some of the people that I've been doing this side by side with pretty much since I was fifteen sixteen are still around and. uh the lifers make it worth it um but yeah so just some backstory because this is the cold open it's gonna be way too damn long but yeah, uh we hit the seven minute mark already but yeah. birthday was man like my first band theories the apocalypse some y'all might know some y'all might not uh had a decade long run the very first jam session that happened with the initial trio that got together was one of my birthday parties <laughs> when I was 15. A lot of birthday milestones. Yeah. So, and then today, six years ago, was the final Theories of the Apocalypse show. Yet another birthday kind of scenario. We didn't advertise it as a birthday thing, really, I don't believe. But maybe. I uh, think it was. But long story short, throughout the years, this time of year kind of always gets me, in some way, shape, or form, super reflective. Uh, and when you do this music thing long enough, you have a lot of highs, you have a lot of lows, you can honestly have a lot of heartbreak. Um, you're always changing people out, <laughs> especially on a local level. You know, people break up, people, like some people, they come to your every show and then you never see them again. For, Sometimes life gets in the way. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people over the years that have came and went. The ones that come back, I fucking love you. The ones that... Haven't come back. I still fucking love you because you were a part of it along the way. And just remember, man, the door's always open for a fucking good time. We're going to keep doing this shit. 
Um, funny enough, with the Theories of the Apocalypse mission, our new keyboardist and saxophone player, <laughs> uh, his last show was with Theories of the Apocalypse. So it's just weird how life does this full circle thing, and it just kind of brings you back to a grounded level of, man, this is all just really cool shit we're doing. And at the end of the day, musically... Uh, the journey has been the most rewarding thing I've, I've got in life and, uh, turning 31 and doing this podcast and sharing my useless ass opinion and having all these incredible bands on the horizon and incredible shows and opportunities and the chance to write new music with a new fucking member and whatever. I'm just eternally grateful. Let's do a goddamn podcast episode. <laughs> You're goddamn right. Greetings, hard and heavy music fans, and welcome to episode 13 of the Heavy Haystack Podcast. Podcast about all things heavy music from music fans like you. The date is February 24th, 2023. And I'm your host, Dante, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. David Andrew Langley. Arriba! This is another news uh, singles and review episode that we have on this uh, day of ours. Uh, this episode's a slightly delayed from the previous one, not too much so, because the last episode came out a day or two late, so this is only just just past a week, past the previous episode, which was the Municipal Waste Top 5 Album Ranking we were, we were letting you catch your breath after all that thrash metal. Yes, after all that thrash. <laughs> uh, well, I needed to catch my breath. It was yeah. also partially delayed because I came back from a trip to Chicago last weekend. Uh, we usually record on the weekends, and my whole Friday through Monday was spent traveling up to my home birth city of Chicago and visiting family. That wank, whack-ass Super Bowl fucking just interrupted it, too. Yeah, the Super Bowl <laughs> did it, too. I didn't watch the Super Bowl, Man, but old David did. Just quick sports side note. Every team I fucking rooted for in this playoffs lost. And I would pick individual teams in every fucking game. And I swear to God, every game I was rooting for one team or the other, the team I wanted to win lost. And, you know, obviously my Titans weren't in it in the fucking first place. So I guess that was just an omen. <laughs> sounds like your bad luck, David. That's what that sounds like. Dude, everybody I wanted. Because I was like, AFC Championship, NFC Championship, fuck it. I want the Bengals and I want the fucking Niners. That didn't happen. Jeez. I was like, fuck it. AJ Brown is on the. Eagles make the Titans look stupid, yada, yada, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, so just long story short, if uh, sports gambling ever becomes legal in Kentucky, do not take any advice from me. Oh, uh, man, yeah, like, while well, he was worried about sports, I was in a major city for a lot of sports. I didn't get involved with any sports while I was in Chicago. Chicago. I did drive by Wrigley Field as well as uh, the White Sox Stadium, which is now has a new stupid name, the Guaranteed Rate Field. Like, fuck that shit. Same way that they call the Sears Tower the Willis Tower now. Fuck that shit. See, when I went to Chicago, I went to fucking, uh, I went to Wrigley, but it, like it was all under construction and shit. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like the majesty, which <laughs> even then it's, you always hear about how special Wrigley is and it's not when you're just going, like you have to go to a game. Like I, yeah. I looked at it, I was like, this is kind of under fucking well. Uh, I've never been to a Cubs game myself. Like also like I've. All this support of White Sox is White Sox is on the south side where my family and all everybody I know resides. Uh, but yeah, I did do some cool stuff up there. Freaking went to uh, uh, went to a music venue up there, Reggie's. Uh, 
that's up there, which I definitely want to go a Storm Toker to play shows at. Reggie's. Uh, book Storm Toker. Please book Storm Toker, Reggie's. Uh, I got some friends that are up in Chicago, uh, though, that I like, could possibly help get shows there and would attend while we're up there. Uh, that will be something to work on in the future. Hopefully, Dante, that's you, it's a you job, sir. Yeah, that is a me job. I shall get us up in Chicago. Jump like, on it, boy. Uh, but yeah, I did that. Freaking got some. I didn't get Chicago deep dish pizza, but I did get a uh, Chicago style hot dog from Portillo's, which is quite delicious. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> the- we were just the whole discussion about pizza. The one of the podcasts I'd be watching the most lately is uh, the Kevin Nash podcast, uh, and he's from Detroit. So, uh, yeah, they got their own type of pizza too. But no, they? he's like, dude, there's no fucking square pizza in Detroit. <laughs> I grew up where everybody <laughs> like he, he vehemently denies that Detroit style pizza like was ever a thing no, as a kid. Great. Like it's like a yeah. new marketing thing recently. And I'm not from Detroit to fucking say one way or the other. I do got some Michigan family I could probably ask, but it, it's just been funny because every fucking episode of that podcast, he, he gets on some, like there's some fucking fan question about Detroit style pizza. <laughs> I, yeah. Cause I never, when I was a kid, cause like I lived in Chicago, which was like close enough proximity to Detroit. So like we would hear things about stuff like that. And, of course, like anytime we're talking about pizza talk or all that, we would shit talk Detroit because they're like a rival city in sports teams and just in general uh, to Chicago. And I never heard of Detroit style pizza when I was a kid living there. The Tigers can blow it out the ass. No, I don't know. That was like Boston or something. <laughs> that was a bad accent. I don't know what accent was you were going for. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, had a lot of fun up there. Uh, ate a whole lot of edibles, uh, which was cool because uh, it's all nice and legal up there in the shack. What you do stoner stuff too, man? I do stoner uh, stuff. Who the fuck? Who the fu- I just hugged like a ginormous bag of weed before I came over here. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, friggin' my sister had ginormous bags of weed. She was smoking me under the table. She. This is weird because like okay, like my sister, uh, ten years old to me, uh, was my guardian when I was a kid uh, through high school onward. And this is the first time we really like got to hang out as adults together. And that was also the first time that we smoked together as well. And she smoked so goddamn much weed. <laughs> I'm like, like, are you okay? Like, seriously? Like, it's. Can I get your sister's number? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, freaking. Uh, it was ridiculous. Like, she. Like, every time we were in the car, like, you ready to smoke? Like, here's another edible. Hey, you want to smoke? I'm like, can we slow down a bit, please? <laughs> goddamn. Say, she sounds like. Are we staying with her when we play in Chicago? Because uh, she don't has enough space for all of us at our current nah, place. Well, but... I mean, we got a bus. We'll sleep in the driveway. Fuck it. Does she have a? Dr- it's it's a real bad street. Like street. It's not, <laughs> we couldn't find any room on that street to uh, like park that damn bus for one. Fair enough. And two, uh, she she gets a little bit worried. She like walks gets out of her car with like knife in hand. Well, whatever, Dante's sister. Let's get high sometime. I'll be at Chicago. Yes, totally down for that. Like that, that'd be a surreal sight. Like for my, I just totally fucking <laughs> big burp. My storm took a bandmate smoking with my sister, who was my parent for a good chunk of my life. Uh, but yeah, Chicago's great city, great visiting up there. But we have uh, now we're back and we have a show to talk about. Yeah, music. Oh yeah, not drugs. And sports. Like, sometimes the people listening might care a little bit about who's hosting this show. Like yeah. we talk about ourselves a little. If bit If they're better. listening to us, they better care. I would hope they care. <laughs> so, but yeah, this is a news. This won't news. go in the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is a news, new singles, and review episode where we have some interesting stories to talk about, including a major metalcore and thrash metal reunions, a popular rapper covering some classic rock. And an announcement, big announcement, that's been hyped up from a band that's gone over kind of like a wet fart. Uh, 
As also, we have a review of the new album from Inflames titled Foregone, which has been a very talked about record in recent uh, weeks, really the recent half year, ever since the first single for now was released. It's funny, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it since the full album came out, but... It seems like the, a lot of the talk tends to like die down a bit after that full album comes out, which is weird. Uh, just how like the state of things is these days, a lot of the time. Oh, dude, like... I mean, we released an album in August, and it feels like three years ago. Uh, yeah, it feels forever ago since we given we had, we did, had the songs. We had the forever. first two singles out like a year before. Yeah, but even then, normal. These other days. bands, let's say other bands, do that. So, yeah. but before we get into all the news, singles, and reviews, we have a show sponsor. Uh, this is a band called Disminded, and this is a song titled "Unleash Hate."
Yes, that song was Unleash Hate by the band Disminded, all the way from Wessel, Germany. Yonder. Over yonder in Wessel, Germany. I have not, I don't know where in Germany Wessel is, to be fair. I don't know where any of the cities I actually do know in Germany are, because I don't know German geography for shit. I don't know where fucking, uh, fuck, what are some German cities? <laughs> I know, Ger- I know. What's uh, Frankfurt. Lo- yeah, Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, and there's one other big one. There's two, like two other big ones. Auschwitz. God damn it. Well, <laughs> gonna get us canceled. Wait, is it not actually a city? Is that just? A... I'm not sure if it's a city or not. You can... Hamburg, isn't it? Hamburg. Yes, that's one of the Man. big ones. Hamburg, Germany. Is that the capital of Germany? Hamburg, or is it something else? Whatever. This band is from Wessel. Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> God, we're dumb Americans. I know. Deutschland. Yeah. We love Deutschland. I like your bands. We like Creator and Rammstein and all Sodom that. and Sodom and the whole Teutonic thrash scene and all that stuff. Which we're talking a little bit about Creator later, uh, but yeah, that was uh, the song "Unleash Hate" by the band Disminded from Wessel, Germany, and that is coming. That's going to be on their upcoming album, uh, "The Vision," which will be out March third. Uh, that was a real nice song, like some uh, melodic death metal with a good hint of groove and thrash metal mixed in with it. He never tells me who the sponsor is before the episode, so I never get to check it out. Yeah, like uh, yeah, David is kind of out of the loop on whatever the show sponsor is. Uh, if except for Windrider that one time. Except for Windrider. Th- the first episode, I did make a Windrider, so it'd be somebody you knew to make that easy. Uh, but yeah, make sure to give that a listen to. I'm I, sure you're I, great. Like, yes, Dismounted <laughs> is, is a great band. Uh, they're gonna listen to this and be like, "Man, we like is this promotion worth it?" But yeah, give them a listen. Disminded uh, song, "Unleash Hate" from The Vision out March third, coming real soon. Next Friday, I believe, is when that is. Uh, but uh, with that out of the way, let's get into the heavy music news. Let's start off with a happy news story. Do you like happy news stories, David? When do we ever get them? Sometimes we get them. Oh, we're about to get one? Yeah, I, thought you, get I thought one. that was pure sarcasm. Oh, no, because this is, this the is word news legit. and positivity. Sometimes, oh, there's definitely some negativity, including some pretty nasty BS that's going to be talked about in this episode. But uh, this first news story is actually a happy one. Uh Megadeth is reuniting with OG guitarist Marty Friedman in a four show in Japan. Uh, Marty Friedman, of course, in case you didn't know, was the uh, Megadeth lead guitarist who first uh, played with the band on their uh, very popular, uh, considerably trademark album, Rust in Peace uh, from 1990, all the way up until their most uh, hated album, uh, Risk, that uh, leaving the band uh, back in 2000. Hey, so uh, at least they had Bill Goldberg in a fucking music video for that album. Bill Goldberg was in a music video. Yeah, that shitty ass song "Crush 'Em." Oh yeah, I've seen just a few clips from "Crush 'Em." I didn't watch the whole. Yeah, thing. now Bill Goldberg's like the badass in the video. Jesus Christ, there's so much. They actually performed on now. WCW Nitro. Really? Nice. Was, they I was they went out of business very shortly after. <laughs> Kiss did too, though. So wow, they had the Kiss Demon character that debuted oh yeah i vaguely remember this from when i was kidding. yeah it was uh terrible uh but uh but yeah like marty freeman they is... also released a really shitty fucking judas freeze cover oh yeah like i was <laughs> like i remember you asked if i was gonna include that episode I well i after i saw megadeth in the news i just knew i could 
trash on it now. Pretty Dave, much. do not sing Halford. You fuck. Otherwise, I love your music and riffs, but you're kind of a shit person. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, is this praising or shitting on Dave? Um, Megadeth is one of my uh, I've grown up love hates because, like, literally, like I was just sucked Megadeth's dick my entire childhood, and this Marty Freeman thing would excite me a lot more if it was like. I don't know, 10 years ago when I was a little more fuck yeah, Megadeth. But even then, about a year ago, I went on a fucking spiel where I couldn't quit listening to fucking Megadeth. It's kind of the same relationship I have with Metallica, too. Ha <laughs> ha! Fuck you, Dave. I have the same <laughs> same relationship with your band that I do Metallica, Dude, where nice. I just go through phases where I'm like, man, fuck that band. I'm tired of hearing about them. Like, Dave whines about not being a Metallica. They fucking suck. Blah, blah, blah. Pretty much every news story. And then I put on fucking P-Sales and listen to it all the way through. They're, like, chilling, and I'm like, ah, riffs. And then, you know, rest in peace, obviously. Rest in peace, you can't, it's unfuckwittable. Uh, as, a qual- as a classic. Countdown record. to Extinction is one of my favorite albums ever, too. But yeah, no, nah, I fucking love Megadeth, but I fucking hate Megadeth. I hate Megadave. <laughs> How about that? Megadave. And I don't even, because, like, he is such a 50 50 motherfucker in interviews, too. Like, if I watch an hour long interview, there's 30 minutes, I think he's like a complete show, and there's 30 minutes, then I'm like, Super interested what he asks. I read his book like three times. He's a very like layered I, I, person. Like he is one of those motherfuckers that's just like, like I want to hate him more than I do, and I want to like him more than I do because again, like guitar player wise, there's not very many people that are as innovative rhythmically. Uh, yeah, he's one the of the top genre. Really guitar players yeah, dude, ever. And then even then, he fucking rips on leads, but he's always had like a better lead guy in the band. Yeah, which like, again, Marty oh. Friedman's probably the best guitar player he ever had. So uh, I always love his well, policy, of Chris writing. Broderick, but. I just now taught you about that a yeah, couple Chris, episodes yeah, back. Okay, so basically, called me out on my lack of. Basically, like, I'm very up to date on the modern metal scene as far as the classic metal stuff. There's some gaps in my knowledge. I'll have to admit, but that's why we have old David here. I was say I kind of we we kind of do bridge the gap pretty good. Yeah, like I got the modern stuff. David has the classic stuff, so we have an all encompassing view of uh, the metal world. But yeah, no, I, I would be more excited about. It. It's still great. I mean, I I, I think. Come on, Sepultura. But uh, I think I think more bands should totally fucking uh, take the note and, you know, do cool shit. I mean, fucking Ozzy got back with Zach, you know, like just if you got a classic fucking thing going on, like work it out, man. And I mean, obviously there's some shit that's, ir- you know, irreparable, but it's like, why is Skid Row without Sebastian Bach? Why is Sebastian Bach without Skid Row? Like, come on, let's like you need each other. Let's let, at least once. And, you know, this might be just a one-off. Uh, it's just a one-off. All, yeah. This is just a one-off. But even then, it's cool. Like, it's something for the people that love the fucking band to sink their teeth into. And as a Megadeth fan, for the most part, <laughs> I know this has been a very mixed bag, but uh, it, it's cool. It is cool. But, again, fuck you, Megadave. <laughs> well, like, speaking of Sepultura, uh, I remember Max Cavalera was just interviewed uh, about, like, Apostle reuniting with Sepultura, and he said, like, he has zero interest right now. And doing that, uh, and he has Cavalera conspiracy for playing all his classic Sepultura stuff and all of the anniversaries on that end. So he doesn't seem to really need or want to rejoin with Sepultura, uh, sadly. But Sepultura is doing better right now than they have since Max left. They have like their most critical acclaim yeah. and respect now, I believe. Took him about twenty years. Which would be a great time now to fucking 
commemorate it somehow. But yeah, if we could have like a soul fly sample tour tour, that would be the well, shit. Like in the modern era, not even a tour. Like I said, the modern <laughs> era, do what Megadeth's doing. Do one show, fucking stream the motherfucker. Let off. everybody, let everybody in the world see festival. it. Yeah. Be cool. <laughs> but whatever. Who are we? We're just a bunch of motherfuckers. Ain't made a dime. Playing dimes, we just goes right back into yeah. bank for the match. Oh yeah, we actually we did probably make more dimes last year than we ever have, and yeah. we have zero dollars to show for it. We had to actually like start looking at tech shit. <laughs> like yeah, right. as as made enough money for it's that. it's coming soon. Uh, but yeah, that is that uh, reunion with Marty Friedman. First time they've played with him in twenty three years is going to be happening fe- February twenty seventh at the Nippon Budokan Arena. That's uh, also Japan. cool too, because uh, apparently they've never played there. Oh, they haven't. Yeah, and I'm like Budokan, like because I mean it's not like a massive hall, uh, but like it is a very legendary hall. Yeah, it's a very story. I hall. mean, fucking, I think uh, I'm 90 percent sure Rising in the East, uh, Judas Priest, the old fucking live album was recorded there. Ozzy's got his live at Budokan album. Uh, but yeah, it's like Budokan, Hammersmith, Royal Albert Hall. Like you know, it's one of those names. It's one of it's one of those world names that yeah, yeah Madison Square Garden. You know, everybody everybody knows. As soon as you say it, wants to play there. You're like, oh yeah, it's like Red Rocks. You know, yeah, Red Rocks. One day we'll play Red Rocks. And I say, hey, one day we'll play Budokan. If we're opening on like the first band on a bill of like ten bands, I don't care, <laughs> dude. I, I will be the band that plays in the parking lot at the Lettuce. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, that's uh, happening. Nice, like, Megadeth reunion with classic guitarist Marty Freeman. A lot of fans are excited for that. But while we're on the topic of Megadeth, this is a duality of life, because now we have a negative story about Megadeth following that directly right afterwards. Uh, Megadeth is currently being sued over the album artwork for their latest album, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. Uh, Their artist, Brent Elliott White, uh, is the artist suing the band and he's previously worked with the band on three other projects before um, he was first contacted about doing the artwork for the album in early 2020 he developed artwork with it for it and like spent hours on developing the concept and the artwork uh, but no contract was made uh, he developed more artwork in 2021 moving a year later he was asked to develop some more artwork for their like stage show and stage like artwork and stuff like that uh he reminded the management at the time who he was talking to as who was his go-between i forget the name of the manager for megadeth but that's who he was talking to uh said like all right i'll make this uh stage artwork but like remember this contract still hasn't been made and i still have the copyright uh because y'all haven't like get paid for me selling the rights off to you yet and it said, oh, yeah, let's we'll definitely get that handled. Uh, I think it said like a week later, the first single dropped with the album artwork that he already like wrote for them, as well as merchandise was being sold with his artwork on it on Megadeth's websites and outlets for their merchandise. See, the only thing I wonder just with how big of an operation that this is, if there isn't a actual contractual agreement does he really have anything to stand on well he has three previous uh, projects and like essentially some of the other details were that he's worked on three uh i don't know if it's three albums or just three merch ideas or something like that with them before and he was set to be paid uh i think that it was that the management was trying to work out a deal with the artists where he would be paid the same amount he was on the previous project he did for them uh he turned that down uh, but they just went ahead anyway, putting out the artwork with like no set contract in motion because I guess they had a certain timetable for the album release that they didn't want to slow down for the album artwork. But he said he did copyright his own shit before he gave it to them. Yes, and that is what he's suing them for. 
Uh, and now it is in litigation for it. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, that'll get worked out. I don't. I, I feel like that's just kind of small for Megadeth to be struggling with. Yeah, it's I feel. Weird. I feel like that's a communication, like something. It's, it's possible communication. Like Dave, Dave is probably like, "God damn, I'm gonna kick that motherfucker in the dick." <laughs> Hello, me. Wow, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was a pretty good impression, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Now, well, hey, he does know karate. He'll fuck that motherfucker up. Oh, man. He's like, why did you sign the contract? <laughs> why didn't you get this guy's money? Yeah, I, th- yeah I feel like this might be on a fault on the part of the management more so than the band themselves. I don't know how involved they are with this exact process uh, in their uh, album rollout. Pay the artist, Bobby. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn, pay. I, I can't do good negative. <laughs> but it's yeah. But hopefully that gets settled. Hopefully the artist It gives me a migraine headache <laughs> when you don't pay the artist. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Hopefully Bryn Elliott Smith gets this might this might be the running gag in the episode. I don't know. Oh boy. This is what the, <laughs> I, I can feel episode title brewing already. It's coming up. Mega Dave. But yeah, we will see how that uh, all rolls out uh in coming time. But maybe we'll get an update about that. We shall keep our eye on the metal sites to see how that pans out. Probably a settlement. Probably a settlement that's like going to be boring and we're not really going to hear about. Yeah. Uh, coming into more weirder news. And the uh, so this is really a small blurb because it's something that's already happened before. So it's not quite as shocking as it was the first time. Uh, Tommy Lee, of drummer of Motley Crue, has posted another mo- nude photo, this one of his ass and balls from behind. And he has some saggy old 60-year-old man balls. I looked at the picture, and I regret it. I didn't I didn't see this one, actually. Uh, but, I mean, whatever. I've watched Pam slob the knob and shit. What, I mean, like, that was the thing, like, when everybody made a big deal about his song getting posted, it was like, has not everybody, like, already seen it? Like nobody. Yeah, there's a whole very popular like the, video. The, 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 the morbid, the morbid curiosity that got everybody because everybody's like, "Oh yeah," it's, it's like all my life. It's like, "Oh yeah, Peter Steele's got a master slong." Oh yeah, Tommy Lee's got a master slong. As soon as the internet got really fast, I was like, "Fuck it, I want to look up these dicks." <laughs> yeah, just check out some rock star dicks. I mean, dude, the internet's a crazy place. It is a very crazy place. Uh, but yeah, this. Uh, I ain't, posted and this I ain't scared to look at no dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'd look, yeah, like his balls are so goddamn saggy. It's like it's. I looked at the picture. It's all right, but like he posted it on Twitter and he made a little joke about saying like, "Hey, like Mr. Peanut, you should sponsor us or some shit like that." I forgot the exact quote. Uh, if we ever get stupid, rich, and famous, and I can get away with posting my saggy old man balls on the internet, you better believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to see some David old man balls when I'm sixty. Old and t- hell, even if I'm not famous, I'm pretty close to it sometimes anyway. So it probably takes the sixty to really start making money off this heavy metal thing. Well, I mean, only only grands, only grands. <laughs> only grams, <laughs> only, grams. Only, only only gramps. There we go. Only grams, but yeah, there's a speculation that this is possibly uh, a publicity stunt for their upcoming tour. Uh, which they Molly Crew and publicity stunts. Yeah, real oh shocking. my god! I believe this will be the first tour they will have with new guitarist John Five, who replaced Mick Mars, who decided to retire from not uh, music but from Motley Crew. He's uh, still making music. Happy, a uh, happy retirement, Riff Man. Yes, you're like, the best part of that band. Yes, Mick Mars is definitely the most likable guy in the band, and the the, the underrated skill man of that band as well. I mean. He's- by far one of the most underrated guitar players of the 80s. 
Like when people talk about greatest guitar players, nobody talks about him. But he's always been super tasteful. He yeah. fucking riffs. He's like because he doesn't he, have that rock star he, personality. He by far the strongest piece of that band, and that band is as big. And you know they they were the one, Kings of Glam. They were my one of my OG favorites, and you know that was kind of one of those things that I just grew out of that style a little more. And but like I said, I still go back, and there's certain songs and. When I go back, it's like the one redeeming factor that keeps me coming back is Mick Myers' fucking riffs. The riffs. But John Five is John Five's riff riff beast in his own right. Say, he's going to be fantastic in that in that in that role. Yeah, he's got that. Yeah, like they made a good choice with uh, John Five. He can get it done aesthetically too. Yes, he he does match the whole like glammy rock star aesthetic with it. Uh, but enough about Tommy Lee's uh, saggy old man balls and Molly Crew did a publicity stunt. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, this story is like a little bit I old. wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> uh, this story is a little bit old now by this point, but it is something that's like pretty notable. Uh the 2023 uh Rock and Metal Grammy winners, uh which really there's only two of them in that category. Uh Ozzy Osbourne won the uh awards for best metal performance with Degradation Rules, the song he had on his new album with the one of the Which songs is yeah, not even close to the best song on that fucking album. It's not the best song on the album. It's probably the most Tony Iommi and Ozzy are alive. Fucking give it to Jeff fucking back. But whatever. Yes, he won that. Patient also, number nine was by far the best song on the yes, album. Patient number nine was a good one. Uh, he won for that, and he also won best rock album with the album Patient Number Nine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I, I just gushed over Ozzy two episodes yeah. ago. But winning Grammys is just kind of like, yeah, here's your lifetime achievement essentially that's yeah like, that's just what i was about to say this is really like at this point the rock and metal grammys are pretty much just a lifetime achievement award because nobody knew uh really wins uh rock and metal grammy anymore and when they do it's like a one-off yeah like high and fire was a big shock when yeah. they won the best oh yeah i remember that i was like i was like who yeah first off how do y'all know high on fire for one and the grammy like who was on well, the grammy they usually board? have like two cool bands in the nominations yeah and, and this year like uh one of the band i was in both really was it nominated i think in all the categories the one that a lot of people in the rock and metal world was pulling for is turnstile uh turnstile is like an upcoming uh band that came out of the hardcore punk scene but with their latest album glow on moved more into like a electronic indie rock direction while still keeping a lot of their punk and hardcore roots involved with it and the record's done gangbusters really well they've been on all the late night shows uh has so much hype and it's a quality record one of my favorite records in 2021 when it came out uh, but by the time they got nominated again uh, in twenty for this one in twenty twenty two, really a lot of the hype had already died down for it already. Uh, they still have a lot of hype. They're still a very well talked about band, but really like there should have been that initial wave of hype when the album came first came out that they should have won it. But they got nominated for and best I, metal, and I feel like the the retirement announcement probably fueled fueled it even more. Yeah, like this is really this might be the last time you can have a chance to award Ozzy or something. So. This would be the time to do it. Uh, speaking of Mega Dave, he got nominated in the Best Metal Performance for We'll Be Back off the new album. Fuck yeah, guys. Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, Ghost was nominated in Best Metal Performance as well for one of the least metal songs on their new record. Really, the whole new Ghost record in pair is not a metal record at all. Uh, they got nominated for Call Me a Little Sunshine, which is a softer ballad song. Uh, for best metal performance, the only metal track on Impera was Twenties, which seems like I'm the only guy who likes that song on that record. I still haven't really dove into it. Uh, I did watch the Punk Rock NBA video on the uh, on the Ghost uh thing. That was actually a really good video. Uh, 
it's weird the way he talks about some bands sometimes. He has like a weird like love hate relationship with metal, mostly with the fans of metal because he. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, don't we all? Yeah, like he's. I mean, I'm one of them, and I hate. I I have a love hate with me on how <laughs> how I approach it, so I get it. But it's just I don't know because like he'll praise a band while shitting on them, like he kind of did with Gojira too. Yeah, he does because like, like, like he. There's really nothing interesting about this band, and I'm like. The thing with like Finn McKenzie and Punk Rock NBA is because he's his day job that he does outside of YouTube is marketing essentially. Yeah. So like his brain really goes into like music basically something that has to be marketable catchy something that will like make money and make yeah. a lot of fans easily a band like gojira gojira is an anomaly and how popular they've gotten versus everything else about them they are a very relative they're the probably the heaviest an extreme band to get to that level of popularity since slipknot and compared to slipknot they didn't have big arena hooks for the most part for a lot of their songs they just have like they're getting there they're getting there but like i'll say the last two albums have a lot cl- but yeah not really hooked yeah, per se either. like they they're, don't have something like do du- a duality songwriting wise like there's definitely yeah. a better structure which i'm going to get on that once we get to the singles about songwriting uh, it's yeah we'll get there I, I have a kind of a pet peeve going on uh that it's nobody in particular's fault, but the one band that we're going to talk about. I'm going to shit on them again a little bit. Joy. Uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah. Grammy's fucking whatever. I mean, congrats, Ozzy, because you deserve any award that you get for just being the dude. But at the same time, it, it is just kind of like a, here's your shiny statue, Mr. Guy that's done it 40 years and announced the retirement. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. And like I said, you just said the other nominees. And it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, but like, speaking of like who, of like the Grammys not really knowing rock and metal at all, uh, the other big winner of the uh, rock Grammys was Brandy Carlisle, who won Best Rock Song and Best Rock Performance for her song, Broken Horses. I listened to that song, Broken Horses. It's a folk rock song. For one, that has a little bit of electric guitar underneath. It's just enough to be considered a rock song. And she won know. her awards over bands like Ozzy Osbourne, Turnstile, The Black Keys, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who were, but given Red Hot Chili Peppers didn't have a, their two records they released last year. Not that great. Black Keys, solid record. They're Black, always Black Summer was okay single. I didn't really listen to albums. but It was I a Wild Child was a song that Black Keys. I was going to say that the... the, the Black Summer song by Chili Peppers got in my rotation for a while, but I, I didn't. I didn't really listen to the records. I listened to the first of the records that came out. I think it was Unlimited Love was the name of the album. Uh, very boring outside of Flea's stellar bass playing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like Flea's just always good. Like I can always listen to Flea's bass lines, but outside of that, not that exciting. Uh, I mean, I would say that for a band that I don't really hate, they aren't one that excites me too much either yeah that's uh, not a lot of excitement in the red hot chili peppers I mean, the songs i like i do love they got john frusanti back still not excited i mean i will say that <laughs> going every episode tripping balls <laughs> oh my god again <laughs> and, and uh watching i watched uh never thought you might have a problem david red hot chili peppers live no uh, <laughs> a lot of my problems aren't when i'm tripping balls um <laughs> So I do have problems, <laughs> but <laughs> got problems with uh, ain't tripping balls. But yeah, no, I was like, you know, five in the morning watching fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers live at Reading Festival, and like when you put their career like that, I mean, there's a lot of cool shit there. I mean, it was it was a good time. 
uh, on the they have uh, their hits on the enhancers. But uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely not a band that, and even as a bass player, like Flea's tone doesn't excite me either. But he's a great bass player. He's wonderful bass player. Tonality wise, not my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but yes, like Ozzy Osbourne and Brandon Carlisle are the big Grammy winners this year. Uh, once again, Grammys don't quite know rock and metal too well. <laughs> At least Ghost got a mention. Thankfully, they didn't win. They won an American Music Award for best uh, rock album, but they didn't work, didn't have much competition over there. Uh, they were going up against Imagine Dragons, MGK, and Red Hot Chili Peppers for the American Music Awards. <sighs> Oh, and uh, I think, what's that band? Uh, fucking Clockwork Band. Uh, the uh, ra- not ra- the Radiohead ripoffs. Coldplay. That's good. They they released something who they were on that nomination too. Uh, I think I almost cried during a Coldplay song once. <laughs> but it was the Macho Man Randy Savage uh, death video on, on WWE. Uh, I didn't realize I was almost about to cry to Coldplay. And then I realized it was Coldplay. And I got really upset with myself. Just that, that was a sad moment. I, I remember I went through a stint where I enjoyed some Coldplay songs. Uh, they do have some solid songs back when I was back I in high school. I can't even tell you what that song's called, and I can't tell you what any other one's called. It was like Speed of Sound was one that was pretty good. Uh, I think that had a song <laughs> called Clockworks that was cool. Uh, and it had this one other like kind of Baroque pop thing that was all right. I don't remember what it was called. I rule the world or something. I don't know. Alright. We get to get off the Coldplay kick. Fuck Coldplay. Yeah. This, this is a hard rock. Yeah, I'll say they're, they're not they're not gonna get the love Imagine Dragons did on this podcast. Oh yeah. Uh but yeah, <laughs> that's uh that's enough about the Grammys. Let's get into more cooler news. Yeah, fuck the Grammys. We gotta deal with our own goddamn award show in two weeks or a week. Oh yeah, we're yeah, Lexington Music Awards. Uh that'll be something. Uh God damn it, Dante, we better win. You know we ain't winning. We never win. No. We're only in it because we're the only band, metal band people know. The only one of four metal bands people know. Yeah, yeah. It's David Langley's kids band. Because honestly, with the people that are involved with it, that uh, I'm not trying to fucking shit on us. But that's kind of the deal. Yeah. Like, if we were nominated amongst like other bands like... To be that, fair, when I was nominated for Bass Wear of the Year, I still don't know if the intent was my dad or me. Because <laughs> that was the year my dad. Now, well, yeah, passed. so you think they're about to try to posthumously nominate well, you? Well, I, I asked, I asked, and somebody said, "No, it's you." And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." But like at the same time, I was just like, "Do these people even fucking?" Uh, but you know, again, these people even know me. Do you know me? Again, who knows? I mean, again, nominations are cool. The nominations are 100 percent legit. So it, it feels good to be acknowledged every once in a while. I mean, like I said, it's somebody voting for us, and it's a public vote for that. So true, it's something. Uh, but yeah, cooler news that we have going on: uh, Killswitch Engage, Metalcore Kings, Killswitch Engage, uh, lead not lead man, but guitarist and producer Adam Dutkowitz is reuniting with. Uh, Old's previous singer Howard Jones for a new project. I've never heard anybody actually say his last name. Is that like legit, or is that's, that that's, is that an attempt? No, that's his name. Dukewitz. Right. Usually, most Duke-a- people say Adam D. Dukewitz. Dukewitz. Yes. Okay, that's actually not that bad. Yes, Adam. Duke-a-witz. I don't even think. I don't know if I've ever tried to say it out loud. I'm ever. pretty. Sure I've heard it in interviews. Like that's Adam Douchetits or something. But... Adam Douchetits. <laughs> he probably giggled. He probably yeah. Ah, oh, dude, I remember. Uh, when I saw Killswitch at Ozfest, he was like doing the super short shorts and tank top kind of get up. Uh, I, I always like him in his like little like superhero cape. Yeah. <laughs> that he uh, but yeah, like uh, on uh, Instagram and other social media, uh, a picture was posted with Adam D and 
uh, Howard Jones going to get sushi together and going over some demos for a new project uh, that they're doing. Uh, this is they post on social media announcing demos, and the last time that uh, Adam D and Howard Jones collaborated together was on the most recent Killswitch album, Atonement, from 2019. Say he did a track or two, didn't he? He did one track, uh, The Signal Fire, which was a track that had both uh, current and original, both simultaneously current and original uh, Killswitch frontman Jesse Leach on vocals, with Howard Jones guesting on the track, providing some, oddly, it was, he only did screaming vocals on it, no melodic vocals, which he's more known for. And we'll see, but there you go. That's the whole thing that we were just talking about. Like, do the cool shit. Yeah, like everybody, like we, everybody loves Howard. A lot of people love Howard. A lot of people even prefer Howard over Jesse, uh, including myself, because the era of Killswitch yeah. I got into was Howard Jones. Same. I mean, uh, my, I've never even really dove into the Jesse fucking shit for real. And also, like, if you look on Spotify, all the most popular songs are Howard era songs. Still, uh, my curse, friggin' uh, end of heartache, the Holy Diver cover. Those are the top three songs that Killswitch has on their uh, streaming services. Uh, they and everybody likes kills. Everybody likes Howard. Howard. Everybody loves Howard, and they want to hear him do more stuff with uh, Adam D. And I'm very curious as to what this project is going to be. I'm hoping that it doesn't wind up going down a path of another. Uh, what's that side project he has with uh, Jesse Leach? Uh, the uh, Times of Grace. Let's. let's. I have no idea. You don't know what Times of Grace is? I don't think I've heard of it. No. That's a side project that Adam D has with Jesse Leach. Uh, where it's more of like a uh, straight up rock project. It's a good rock project. Uh, they have two albums, and it was well, very well praised. The first album came out in like 2012, and then they just released the second album like in 2020. Uh, and it's yeah, pretty- yeah, that's completely. That's, I'm not, I'm not heard shit about that. Yeah. But again, I mean, I'm not like I have a respect and like for some of the Killswitch stuff, but it was never like one of my band bands. I haven't seen them a lot. I mean, they're great. They're great. But it's just one of those ones I've not been like super on top of. Yeah, for me, like that was my gateway into both metalcore and more traditional metal style. So they're like really up there for me. Yeah. Uh, in high school, like that was like my met, like real tr- quote unquote true metal. Gateway. So as I was say, I probably got uh, the end of heartache around the time that I got got like in the shadows fall, and then but like also Mastodon and like Gojira, yeah, the whole new wave of American. So like for me, like Killswitch just probably got a little lost in the in the mix for yeah. me. At it's the, kind of because they're like, but they were always there. They're like, the it, biggest band in metalcore. I, I did <laughs> not listen to them. It just like I said, I didn't like on, the only album I've actually listened to like all the way through. Honestly, probably into heartache. <laughs> For me, like I, I love the end of Heartache, but their uh, second album, uh, As Daylight Dies, well, second Howard album, uh, As Daylight Dies, was my personal favorite. And the old CM Punk theme song. It's all good. We're gonna Fire go Birds. Yeah. Which good. that was actually a standalone single uh, that Howard, that was the first song that Howard Jones did with Killswitch Engage, and that was a standalone single that wound up being a song, opening song for CM Punk. Somebody uh, else wanted it. I can't remember. Well, yeah, whatever. Wait, we'll quit bringing up wrestling, Dave. Uh, but yeah, last time you remember Howard- when I played on WCW Nitro? <laughs> uh, but the last uh, album that Killswitch Gate had with Howard Jones was their 2009 self-titled, which is the only bad album Killswitch Engage has. Really, that album was fucking terrible. Howard Jones is going through some depression. The band is going through depression. They say that it's their least favorite album themselves. 
Because they already had a self-titled record in 2000, and then they did a second self-titled record in 2009, just to show you where how poorly creative they were during that time period. Uh, <laughs> if you have two self-titled albums, there's a problem. Yeah, I did not know that, and that's hilarious. Yeah, because like I remember when that when like them first announced, like we have our new album, Kill Switch Engage. I'm like, don't you already have that? Was that your first record? And it was. And it's like you could. How bad off do you have to be to they, not they think of a title? the opportunity. Kill Switch, uh, Engage 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. could have <laughs> did that, but it was just Kill Switch, Engage 2009 is what it is. Even the album art sucked. Because, like, their guitarist... I, I recall it, yeah. The guitarist does all their album work, and this was their most boring album. It's just like a yellow panther leopard looking thing. It's not that exciting looking. Uh, it's Yeah, that was a bad record. I remember listening to it hyped as fuck, because this was when I was like... Hype as fuck for a kill switch gauge. I was like super hype on as daylight dies and end of heartache. I'm like, yeah, new kill switch. And then they've heard the first single. I'm like, why isn't this hitting? <laughs> this is not a hitting at all. Hey, sometimes it happens. Life uh, gets in the way. But yeah, Howard Jones left the band. It's kind of like what I was talking about with In Flames that last time, where I was like, I saw him live the first time. I was like, eh. And but then you read back on the interviews and they're like, yeah, everything sucked. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, well, they yeah. acknowledged it. So like following that 2009 second self-titled album, Howard Jones left the band in 2012, uh, like amicably mostly because both the band and Howard Jones realized this ain't working. Uh, the heart's not in it. And he left and had to deal with some personal stuff himself with that. And after a bunch of singer trials, Jesse Leach came back uh, that same year and they released uh, Jesse Leach's returned album uh, in 2013, Disarming the Descent. Uh which had the much lauded single in due time, which is one of Killswitch's most popular songs now. Uh, but yeah, like I'm personally very excited for this new project that Howard Jones and uh, Adam D is going to do. Uh, Howard Jones keeps up busy with many, many projects that he has. What if it's a different band name with the album name Killswitch in game? <laughs> <laughs> they better not. I know, right? That might be a con- contractual thing they can't do. Uh, but yeah, like that's I'm excited for that. Uh, little side note, uh, Adam D, give us another goddamn Serpentine Dominion album. Fuck. We need another one of those. See, I'm completely lost on all this. You don't know what Serpentine Dominion is. Apparently, I like Adam D short shorts, and I never checked anything else out. You don't know what Serpentine Dominion is? Fuck. Serpentine Dominion is another side project with Adam D doing all the, all the guitars for, uh, Corpse Grinder on vocals. And the drummer from the Black Dahlia murder on drums. Wait. No, well, Corpse Grinder does a lot of shit. Corpse Grinder does a lot, but this is a whole album they did, and it's fucking amazing. It's like just heavy-ass melodic death metal with Corpse Grinder on it. Sorry, Dante. I was too busy kicking out my masturbating bass player. <sighs> that was This was well before Dave Ellison got kicked out. Uh, Dave Ellison's floundering right now, by the way. He is, his new, he's doing songs at ICP. You know he's fucked up right now. Uh, well, I think he's like in a mega this like, yeah, Kings of Thrash. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck ever. It's yeah, Elson like, please, please get don't, back don't, in don't races, beat your dick to very young women when you're forty something. Yeah, that's why, well, especially 50, when you're spouting something. Christian stuff and I'm fapping to this nineteen year old. Yeah, uh, Dave Elson, come on, we we love you, brother. Please get back in here. <laughs> Such great memes at the time, though. It was great memes. Uh, yeah, moving on to the next story, we got. Uh, after a year of this being hyped up to death, which I knew was going to be not exciting, 
not very interesting when it was announced. Fear Factory have finally oh, announced. Oh, that's all you had to say. At long Sorry. last. <laughs> Fear Factory have announced their new vocalist finally. Uh, their new vocalist is a man by the name of Milo Silvestro of Rome, Italy. Is he just a YouTube guy? Uh, yes, he was, well, he posted himself on YouTube, but he didn't have a band, an electronic, uh, metal band called Dead Channel, uh, which. Say, I saw our buddy Steven say something about, like, well, we figured it was this guy because he removed all of his Fear Factory covers. Yes, Reddit figured this out a year ago, because, like, around the time when Burton C. Bell, the original Fear Factory singer, left, uh, there was, like, when he was, Milo was tapped to be a singer, uh. Around that time, all of his uh, covers of Fear Factor were taken off of his YouTube channel. Uh, even articles that have tried to share the videos uh, are like already been taken down for copyright. It says, but yeah, this is something like basically even while like Dino was uh, interviewing and checking out singers, he said he went through around like three hundred tryout videos. Some of them jokey, some of them goofy, some of them just doing dumb shit just to be funny to send some to Dino. Uh, but he had a lot of considerations, including some women, he said, in, their, in his top five picks that he had. But he kept coming back to Milo here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Milo's not huge on the Fear Factory thing. I've seen him live, and even then, which again, if, if I see you live and I'm kind of like, yeah. I enjoy. It's like, who are they going to get that was going to excite anybody, anyways? Yeah. I, the thing is, I feel like I do enjoy Fear Factory. And, of course, they're very innovative in many ways. They're, like, one of the first industrial metal bands, one of the first bands to do the mixture of singing and screaming vocals, uh, one of the first bands to use extended range of guitars. But as good as they are, how innovative as Fear Factory is, so many bands took what they did and improved upon it very quickly. And kind of, like, left Fear Factory in the dust, which is that part is of... That is kind of a... Yeah, I felt like I was... It was primitive. Yeah, like they they're very they're very innovative. A lot of their ideas have been taken on and still big today. Industrial metal is still huge. Extended range of guitars, Corn wound up being the bigger band to do extended range of guitars and make that popular. Uh, and then of course you have the whole Gent movement, of course, with the Sugar doing like extended range of guitars as well. Uh, well, and that's what I was going to say too. Is like you know if you're talking about like benchmark bands for doing that, like Mashuga keeps their. Yeah, Meshuggah. You know, yeah, like, of course, Corn like, was doing Factory. it, but as far as being technical with it, like Meshuggah is the yeah, band. Fear Factory, they've never excited me that much. Dino and is like just... quality guitar, so he's got like a tight right hand. Oh yeah, like Divine Heresy and shit. Like he was the coolest part when I saw him. Oh yeah, but like, like I said, I yeah, you said it, and I I have no context of any of that shit. And I still don't know who the fuck they could have even got or announced. Because, like, anybody that's really fucking worth it's probably going to be in a better spot than Fear Factory is right now. Anyway. Yeah, I heard. I actually listened to a podcast with Milo Silvestro and Dino Cazares on it, on the Justice Show. Uh, I listened to this podcast where they, if they just announced, like, the day after they announced uh, that Milo Silvestro was the new singer, uh, Jamie Joss released a podcast episode interviewing Milo Silvestro. So we got to get a little bit of background on him. And he was in an electronic metal band called Dead Channel that was all him. He was like a Nine Inch Nail style project where he did everything. He's a multi-instrumentalist. His parents are uh, musicians themselves. Uh, and he's also been in, like doing music professionally as a job for a number of years. He's 35, uh, so not much older than us. Uh, and had and shared some funny stories of when he first met up with Dino in L.A. And like just having some culture shock of like coming to America for the like first time and going to the Rainbow and things like that. Uh 
Yeah, see, it's like, why don't you just announce that? Yeah, like, like that why was... don't you just get him on board and just be like, yeah, new singer. Yeah, like, you like, draw it out. Dino's been saying that, like, he wanted to, like, have something to announce alongside the singer thing, which, which is for this is the uh, tour they have with Static X and Mushroom Head that's coming up this spring. Joy. But, hey, I'm hype as fuck for that lineup. <laughs> like, yeah. Mushroom Head, Static X, and Free Factory, I'm like, yeah, I'm here for it. I'll save some money. Mushroom Head's always fun. You've, you didn't see Mushroom Head live. They are great. They are wonderful. Even with their new lineup change, they're great. Did you see the uh, <laughs> the Hard Times article about <laughs> Yes. But something cool about that, the keyboardist of Mushroom Head, Richard Stitch Thomas, uh, shared that article and thought it was hilarious. Oh, dude, it's funny. So I'm like, I'm glad that he takes it oh, in stride. Yeah, be self-aware for sure. Uh, it's, but uh, the last line of that was even more devastating. Beer, gonna, beer me, Dante. <laughs> I shall beer you. We are drinking, and David's already high. This is—I'm uh, surprised this hasn't gone off the rails already. I, I got a two beer limit, so. Uh, but yeah, this uh, Milo Silvestro like had his Project Dead channel where, and also his YouTube channel where he had some covers, uh, performing Fear Factory songs. Uh, I hadn't listened to the covers of the Fear Factory songs, but I did listen to some of Dead Channel. Uh, side note. Dead Channel isn't that big of a band. They have like 300 monthly Spotify listeners. Uh, which, uh, but I listened to it. It's solid enough stuff. Uh, the style uh, of his vocals fits what Fear Factory does. Uh, I still like Burton Seabell's voice a little bit better. Uh, but stylistically, he fits the bill. And I feel like dudes, he'll get the job another done. Another group of dudes that can't figure their shit out. Yeah, I feel like he'll he'll get the job done well enough. I'm curious though. Like I'm I'm hoping like I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to shit on it. I'm just like I'm more so just salty about this. How long this singer announcement? Yeah, dude, just out. get get them and announce it. It's like if it's not somebody that's gonna raise the profile, really, then just fucking put it out there. Yeah, but uh, Milo Silvestro from Rome, Italy. Uh, he's gonna be on tour with them with their upcoming Static X and uh, Motion Head tour, uh, and if that should be something I'll be entertaining to see. Uh, Hopefully Milo like handles the job and his this is his first tour as well, by the way, that he's gonna be on. Pretty big tour for a first tour for a guy to go on. I'll say you better better have it, I guess. Better have it. Uh but yeah, that should be very interesting to see. Uh so kudos to Milo for getting the new frontman job. Oh yeah, no, congratulations for you. Just uh your fair factory didn't do you no favors. Yeah, like <laughs> you're you're gonna get a lot of shit. I can already tell you. Uh next story. Uh, this is an interesting little thing happening. Uh, T-Pain, a uh, very popular uh, hip rapper and singer who was infamous for popularizing uh, auto-tune in modern uh, pop music for a lot of people, but being the one guy that really does it well. Uh, he is releasing a record of covers, uh, covering classic rock and metal songs as well as some other songs on his new covers record. Uh, it's called On Top of the Covers. And he's uh, going to be covering classic rock and metal songs such as Don't Stop Believing by Journey and War Pigs by Black Sabbath on this with no autotune. There's going to be no autotune on this uh, release as well. So we get to actually hear what he sounds like? Yes, but he is a really good singer. He was on The Mass Singer with no autotune, uh, mm-hmm. that little show. And he, he is actually a good, really strong singer. I'd say my, my T-Pain knowledge is very... Minimum. Yeah. He's cra- the reason why he got so good with like popular with the autotune is because he can actually sing under the autotune, which a lot of people use it as a crutch, or he just uses it as a creative choice more so. Uh, 
And besides these songs like By Journey and Black Sabbath that he's covering, he's also featuring some other uh, more orthodox covers like Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton and Stay With Me by Sam Smith, among others. Uh, he's got the voice for it. I'm curious to hear how the War Pigs is going to sound because that's kind of a unique song vocally because uh, it's Ozzy. Anything Ozzy does is kind of unique sounding. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's a, for a guy of his stature to go out of his way to do this it's kind of i mean it is cool it's cool it's cool to give the nod to old black sabbath like a, an artist of that renown well just any i mean all of it that he's doing you know because yeah, i don't like, know journey like, black it, sabbath i feel like that's a risk for him to take you know and i i feel like a lot of you know your popular music of the time ain't they say it's risky but you know like their satanic panic over fucking Sam Smith wearing a little. They wore red on stage, wearing a Halloween yeah. Express looking devil outfit, which is kind of dumb. Yeah, so uh, I don't know, but <laughs> but yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I, I, I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, see, this he hasn't released a release date yet for this uh, covers record, but Any singles. Uh, no singles yet either. It's just okay. a bit, just the announcement. But uh, I am very curious to hear how some of these covers are going to sound. I'm going to listen to it. I do out of like I don't listen to a lot of pop R and B singers, but like I do enjoy some T Pain. T Pain is I'll one of the good ones. It is at least worth checking out. I'd say it's worth checking out. It's cool. Uh, yeah. So like, look out for that on top of the covers record from T Pain coming up sometime soon. Uh, after that, like, interesting, like, positive story, let's uh, get into something that's real shitty. Showing how p- shitty people can be sometimes, honestly, actually. Uh, and uh, at an sh- architect show in Adelaide, Australia, a quote-unquote fan uh, rushed the stage and got on the microphone to tell, to say to the audience and to the band that they should play more of their older songs because they're disrespecting their uh, dead guitarists tom searle by playing mostly new songs uh their guitarist uh and one of their founding members uh dance like tom searle uh dan searle is the drummer who is the twin brother of the now sadly deceased tom searle uh co-founded the band and he died of cancer in 2016 at the age of 28 uh, and that was the same time that architects began their sound change to become more of an arena type band uh, a lot of architects have been dealing with this hate a lot recently. Pretty much, uh, pretty much any fan of theirs that hasn't been on board with their uh, more melodic and radio-friendly sound change has been bringing up the name of their dead founding band member, <laughs> like saying they're disrespecting him by going into this new direction. Which, how shitty can you be to bring up your dead friend? Uh, to, I mean, they're they're also talking about a general fan base of people that created the it should have been Lars t-shirt yeah that's, so, so be- you know yeah and which you know again some of that shit in retrospect you yeah, we kind of laugh at and whatever because it's so ridiculous that whatever but like when you're living it in the moment it's like if, if the it should have been Lars shirt came out the day after cliff burton died and that's completely fucked <laughs> but you know like i think there was quite a bit of distance between the uh event and you know it was just kind of like a tongue-in-cheek yeah. like i don't know like that was back in like the it's still not cool time. it's still it's not, not cool. cool but at the same time i can see the humor in it a little bit but this is like yeah you're, you're living it and it goes back to what i was saying about 
in flames a few episodes back that you know yeah they play their fucking old shit nobody gives a fuck like they're known for their new shit so i mean it's, it's what like what people are well known so with if you're popular. not with it you know they're they're not for you anymore bro like don't get up on stage and shit you know it's something that you just kind of have to accept Pe- bands people change bands change and let's stay the ironic part of this is that when he rushed the stage they were about to play an old song from tom searle's era a 2020 12 2012 song is there called, a video of this did he get his ass beat there's a little bit of video uh i don't think he got his ass beat but he did say, have security escort him out i'll of say the security should have suplexed his ass they should have because like guy like anybody rushing the stage like he could have been trying to do anything so he could have been trying to stab somebody could have been trying to like hurt one of the members he went up and grabbed their guitarist josh middleton's microphone to say this uh and like he was escorted out of the venue, and after about a five minute pause of them trying to reconvene and figure stuff out, uh, frontman uh, Sam uh, Carter uh, went on about a little bit of a rant talking about how shitty the guy was, and rightfully so, because he interrupted the show to once again invoke the name of their dead friend and like for and bandmate to talk shit about what they're trying to do and bring to people now. Yeah, fucking Wayne Pheasant, uh, but. The show that guy's a bigger asshole than I am. <laughs> uh, old Mega Dave makes a return. Uh, but yeah, that's that, that was real shitty for the band. That was after, like, this is the first show of their Australian tour after the band spent 40 hours traveling to Australia and tired as fuck to get to this show and venue. Uh, but hopefully, like, they don't get too many more incidents like this and they can just live their lives play the music if the fans are accepting of the new music cool the bands that don't like it they don't have to listen to them uh but yeah just don't be shitty people don't like except if bands bands change their sound bands grow up where did you say this was where did it happen adelaide australia crikey you're an asshole (laughs) oh that's real right i sold that one yeah i was gonna say shove a fosters up his ass (laughs) shove fosters yeah, and that's the gist of what we know about Australia. That and the dangerous animals and wildlife. Uh, hey, Australia ain't seen me yet. They, they haven't dealt with <laughs> the Langley. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I usually try to like pace these uh, sad stories out a little bit, but the next story is... Uh, David's turning 31. <laughs> 31. Man, I'm, I'm 33. No, I'm 32. I'm th- 33. Uh, I know, you're one year sadder. Yeah. It's, I'm older than you. Fuck. <laughs> like it's, I, I know. I'm the baby in the band. I look like I'm about to die tomorrow. Yeah, like my last band, I was the youngest member. In this band, I'm the oldest. Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, this next story. Uh, speaking of dead band members, uh, Tim Amar, uh, who was the vocalist of uh, Project of Chuck Schindler, Controlled Denied, has Schindler. Got on me for saying Schuldinger? Auschwitz. Is it Schuldinger? Yeah. Okay, Chuck Schuldinger. Yeah, let's say, God damn, Dante. Tim, vocalist of his Chuck Schuldinger's band, Controlled Denied, uh, Tim Amar has died at the age of 59, uh, which is quite sad. This is a pro- the last uh, project that Chuck Schuldinger was involved in, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because uh, it was briefly after Sound of Perseverance. I mean, it was a... I don't know the exact timeline. I think it came out what two thousand or two thousand one, somewhere around that. Like and he was he was gone in two thousand one, two thousand two. So, but I mean, it's it. a good record. I haven't listened to it in a long time, uh, just because I'm so partial to the death stuff. Uh, but it is a good album. 
Yes, I uh, when I listened to the latest uh, Metal Sucks podcast episode, they uh, had a bit of a anytime like a figure in metal dies, they play like a song of theirs on the show, and they played a song from Control the Night on it. Uh, I've listened to some Control the Night stuff off and on throughout the years, but uh, the song that I heard on the on Metal Sucks podcast it was quite good. Like it was a nice mixture. You could tell that it was Chuck Schollinger like guitar work. Even though it was more melodic than like what he's no mostly known for, he's in he's super melodic as it is. Yeah, and especially was, that era because I mean, Sound of Perseverance, the whole album's got a lot of melodic guitar work too. So oh, yeah. it, it kind of almost seems like the like a like a progression thing, especially like bringing in a melodic vocalist and doing doing that. But uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Chuck Schuldinger is one of those ones that I'm always fucking bummed that i didn't get it's one of those ones you missed like yeah i mean you were a little bit too yeah i was too too young and uh well what's funny is like i didn't even really ever get into it and then uh we had opened up for nile (laughs) (laughs) and you know i'm 18 or 17 no i was 17 because it was in february But it was like uh, my sister's birthday, okay. or the day before my sister's birthday. I think February thirteenth. Uh, One day we'll get to open up for big bands like Niles. But uh, so like, yeah, it was like a seven band bill, whatever. But like, I got off stage and you got all these death metal dudes. And I mean, we weren't. I wasn't super into death metal, really. Like, I mean, I would still argue that I'm not, but I'm definitely a lot more versed yeah, in it. Way than more I was. now than back then. Uh, but yeah, I was you know a thrash kid. Uh. And then some dude just comes up to me and goes, man, you really sound like this dude. I was like, hmm. Yeah, you've gotten that like at least twice now. Cause you got oh, that- I get it. I get it. I mean, if, if anybody compares me to anybody, it's always Chuck. Because Stephen Jeffries and his reviews compares me to Chuck and stuff. And, uh, and now that I'm personally more well-versed in uh, Death's discography, you do sound, have a similar... You know say, there's an era of Death I'm probably matched closer to, because he did evolve. Uh, I think he, he kind of sounds like the human... Uh, it, like. Human, individual yeah, thought he, patterns human, human through symbolic was probably my my wheelhouse but i do really love singing along with spirit crusher and shit too so but uh <laughs> it's in me the want to cover a death song it's not storm toker uh uh material really uh, but it's also like unless we, just storm get, toker skill level unless we get really froggy and just do one out There's i could that- maybe do uh some uh what's I, that one i think you could doom the fucking philosopher out but Possible. There's a lot of like cool fretless bass shit that I feel like I'd be shitting on, like by not doing. We'll have Travis and handle that. Part. Yeah, right. Tra- just... Travis, just yeah. Well, you know what? Well, you just you do know vocals what? That's, not, that, that's actually not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to necessarily give up a bass for anything, but you have to like learn how to sing without someone in your hand. It's fun. I've done it a few times when shit breaks. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not fun in that regard, but I've done it. But yeah, rest. Uh, what the fuck was the dude's name? Because honestly, I Tim mean, I, I, I would say I would have never known. I mean, I'd listen to Control Denied, but I never really looked into it. But yeah, rest um, in peace, man. Besides Control Denied, uh, at the time of his death, he was in a band called Pharaoh, and he's also performed in other projects such as Three One Three, Triple X, and Psycho Scream. No wonder none of those cut on. <laughs> uh, Sorry, now I'm shitting on yeah, the guy. That, that, it's kind of rough. <laughs> Uh, R.I.P. Tim Amar. He was a big part of uh, Chuck. It's kind of sad to like. As I say, he's the period at the end of the Chuck Schellinger sentence as far as music career goes. It's kind of sad that like 
and it's like Tim Amar's death has to be like you feel like you have to connect it to Chuck Schuldinger because like that's kind of like what he's known for. I mean, your legacy is your legacy, and if it's tied with other people, it's tied with Which other people. A lot people. of people like that Control the Nine record and like his vocals on it, so it's that's a part of legacy that a lot more people have. Than I mean, most it, would want did, if you if you want to be Michael Jordan, don't be Scottie Pippen. Yeah. <laughs> That Scottie Pippen got fucked. He got so well, not fucked. But he didn't get fucked. He got fucked on the contract. He, well, well, he did get fucked with the contract, but like when he moved on, he I mean he had great teams and just never fucking they ran into the bus hall. That was the fucking Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tim, rest in peace, Tim Amar. Uh, pride of uh, this wonderful record with Control Denied. And his part of that great legacy that is an extension of the death catalog. Yeah, I need to spend that soon. Uh, going into some touring news, uh, Ghost, speaking of, announced their re-imperator with direct support from Amon Marth. That'll be huge. That'll definitely be huge. You gotta say, like, Ghost, uh, as far as, like, giving a lot of, like, modern, heavier bands, like, a look in front of a big audience, they are doing their job of putting the ladder down for a lot of bands. Not that Amon Marth necessarily needs a ladder, but for a mainstream audience, a mainstream rock audience, they're getting in a lot of new faces. I'll say, I mean, considering that I think the last time I saw Ghost was opening for Maiden. So, I mean, same thing. You know, you take a band that's up. that step below and bring them up. And on their previous Imperator. I mean, there's t- so many tiers of this thing. You know? Yeah. And on the previous Imperator, they had Mastodon and Spirit Box on tow with them as their openers, which are very heavy. Well, not Mastodon these days, more so much, but Spirit Box especially is an interesting choice to have as your opener, uh, which. Really, like the like the style Ghost has and the popularity level they have, the bands that they tour with, they kind of like forced to choose like oddball choices uh, for like bands to open. Yeah, up. there's not a lot that is in the same vein, and especially not as big. I'm really curious to see how I need the Ghost. I do want to see Ghost. For, for speaking of which, they have a date near us. Uh, in Cincinnati on August 16th at the PNC Pavilion, which is going to be hard to go to because you got the Gojira Mastodon show right before that. Is that <laughs> but, in August, too? Yeah, that's August 9th. And this is August 16th when Ghost is going to be in Cincy. Yeah, and who's it with? You said a Monomarth? Yeah, no Monomarth shit, sorry. Is- Again, I'm still stoned. But, uh, yes. uh, yeah, I don't know. I might have to. I do. I really want to see Ghost. Have you not seen them? I have not seen them, and this new album of theirs is my favorite they've ever done. Let's see, I've seen them at Louder. Louder life. Sorry. We're from Kentucky, so we talk shorthand on some of that shit. It's uh, one of the Danny Louder festivals. People know it. Yeah. Well, I know, but louder. Like, you know, so somebody be like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> but, uh, and then I, the first time I saw them, which. <sighs> Deftones and Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> you had to see them with Deftones? Well, that, they were the reason I went. Ghost. Not Deftones. Uh, I, I was like, what? <laughs> like, because I, uh, that was the second album I think had just come out. Uh, the Infinitesimum? Yeah. And so that would have been around 2012 or so. So, but that album had just come out, but they were still like the underground darlings. That, yeah. That, they didn't get that, big that, bits that, bro- that, that, that broke. So like, yeah, they weren't cool to hate on yet. And so everything I'd heard was overwhelmingly positive. I never really fucking gave them a chance. And I went. And well, the sure sign for me is when you go see a band live and then you go back to listen to the shit when you get home and every song that you saw live is recognizable as soon as you put it on. And it doesn't actually happen all the time, <laughs> especially in metal, because, you know, there's just 
Metal doesn't focus on like melodic. I've patches. seen so many death metal bands, yeah, that you know some some of those songs, unless it has like a super distinct groove or something, like you might be searching. But uh, but yeah, so like I went and I guess I got hooked quick on them and then fell off a little bit. But uh, so yeah, but now I saw some with Avenged Sevenfold and Deftones, and that's where my Deftones hate started because <laughs> uh, they were by far the most unpolished product on that show i keep uh, hearing that like people that don't like deaf tones it's always cheetah's vocals well, which thing. change is that what's called yeah, in the house of flies or whatever song. was flawless hmm. the entire rest of the set i did not give a fuck Sad. what about the heavy songs like do they I get the just, those i mean i don't know what any of them are off the top of my head but uh, like not nothing until they played this song, and the only reason I knew that song is because every fucking horny emo girl that I knew in high yeah, school fucking listened to it. I would have been on the Diamond Dice tour, which is a heavier record for them. They they listened to nothing but that song by them, so I don't know. I mean, I fucking may have known more Deftones then, but just that was the only song these fucking dumb bitches listened to. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that was <laughs> that's, get us canceled, David. That was Deftones. Fuck the yeah. See, and this is gonna have to happen one day where I'm gonna actually have to fucking listen to them and do this little goddamn podcast. <laughs> one and, day we're gonna do the top five and Deftones. Y- y'all just y'all just fucking check in on me because there might be fucking some suicide watch going on but we'll oh, see God. i can't wait i can't no, wait no it's gonna be terrible but yeah no that's where the hate started because event sevenfold who i fucking hated on vehemently at the time played flawlessly and it was awesome they had a great stage they show. are a quality live band. they were fucking fantastic and i still can't stand their records i think they're produced shitty as fuck and in the most generic way possible i feel like if you typed in into a computer like hey make me a fucking ai metal record that's what fucking event sevenfold's record sounds like <laughs> but live they fucking kill and it was like ghost was on the way up deftones was the meat in the sandwich and it was a little fucking old and slimy and not good <laughs> and fucking that's spoiled like potted ham yeah and then fucking event sevenfold was like a garlic toast top of the like, fucking sandwich and it was delicious both but. deftones and event sevenfold were bands that you weren't overly fond of but event sevenfold was and it only went because it was like only it was like a 25 dollars and my sister and brother-in-law were like hey you want to just go up i mean we, there's like 20 dollar tickets and i was like yeah yeah fuck i mean i ain't doing nothing it's a concert because i mean i have gone to a few over the years where it's like yeah fuck it let's go We'll get into the death about my X Fest experience one year. <sighs> but uh, yeah, <Dang> Ohio. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ghost Reappear Tour. That is with the Monomarth. Uh, is one that you should check out. That'd be that dope. Is, That'd be dope. It is starting uh, August second in Concord, California. If you're on the fence of Ghost, go see them. Do go see Ghost. They put on a great live show. It's starting August second in Concord, California, and running all the way through September 11th in Los Angeles. Which Amada Marth is not on the LA date, but they're on all the other dates of the tour. Uh, also, another big tour that's gotten announced: Emperor, black metal legend, and like one of the early progenitors of the genre, is announced touring the U.S. for the first time in 15 years for a very short five-date tour. Black metal sucks. Hey, Emperor. Black though. metal sucks. Emperor is one of the good ones. Emperor is like widely considered the best of the classic black metal bands. Yeah. And I mean, I can't sit here and say I've tried, but we're going to have an Emperor album rank episode at one point. Uh, although <laughs> we do have to cover that. We would have to talk about the fact that the drummer killed a gay guy at a park uh, in a hate crime. <laughs> Some have to talk about. Well, we just talked about it. <laughs> and you said we're gonna get me canceled for saying dumb. Hey, I'm just stating a fact. I'm not saying for or against anything. 
I'm against. I'm against killing. Well, you're just talking about how awesome Emperor is. Emperor is an awesome band, uh, but killing people in hate crimes and killing people in general bad. I mean, them dumb bitches were awesome too. <laughs> Uh, Honestly, who I'm referencing is probably my friends, because <laughs> that's who I was around. But I did not like a lot of their music taste. I was the anti, anti, uh, what the chicks in metal or chicks in high school were listening to. Uh, nope, fuck Evanescence. No fuck. AFI. Goddamn, AFI was all over the place. Fuck AFI. Fuck. Bring me their eyes. It was a big one at the time. Yeah. I mean, not that I had a lot of female fans, but well, the ones I was around specifically. Yeah, yeah. all these sex. Ali Sykes. I don't know why people think Ali Sykes is so hot. I I, I don't get it. Because women have terrible taste in men, Dante. Uh, I was like, he's... Especially the ones that like me. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. <laughs> I mean, fuck. Oh, man. I uh, look in the mirror every day. <laughs> <laughs> but we got on a tangent. We're talking about Emperor here. <laughs> Emperor's touring the U.S. for the first time in 15 years. Uh, they're, this, uh, this tour has been called uh, uh, Anthems to... The Welkin at Dusk tour, which is weird because there's no real specific anniversary for that record happening. They're just calling it Anthems to the Welkin at the Dusk tour. Uh, they also had a separate tour uh, in Europe for another record, uh, Midnight, Midnight Eclipse or whatever, the first debut record, uh, which also doesn't have a weird uh, anniversary attached to it. So maybe they're just announcing names of their most popular records to tours for whatever reason. And they're hitting five major cities in late June through July 1st, uh, hitting like two cities in California, Anaheim, and somewhere else. I didn't write down exact dates, but it's five dates. Uh, but hey, they're, they're in America. None of it's near here. Chicago is the closest date to here. I like Emperor, but not enough to travel up to not Chicago a, again to go see hour, them. Not a six-hour band. Uh not a lot of six-hour bands, to be perfectly honest. Pretty much like the only band these days I would travel six hours to go see is Romstein, because they're a bucket list band for me. I did go Jira. Go Jira's worth it. And depending on a festival. Like, if it's a cool enough festival, maybe. But, but uh, yeah, that is it for all of the news that we have today. So now we have the, uh, let's move on to the heavy music singles. All right, for the first single that we have to talk about uh, is the first single from uh, Cattle Decapitation's new record, uh, Terrasite, coming out May 12th, and this track is called We Eat Our Young. It is phenomenal. It is a fucking banger. I have... I got a Woody listening to this. When a (laughs) single makes you just binge a band in general and, like... Just for a note, I, I'm a licensed driver now, y'all. So He's got his license, y'all. Uh, Congratulations to David. Uh, one of the, the second CD I listened to, because I got my CD case out and had a CD player in my old junkie-ass van, was uh, the Anthropocene and Extinction. However you say it. But yeah, that's yeah. how you say it. You said and, right. uh, so, but a lot of it was because this fucking singles just got me all hyped up on my one of my favorite my favorite extreme metal band, like the then legitimately one of my my yeah I keep saying one of my favorite extreme metal band like as far as any death metal or fucking anything considered more extreme grindcore whatever because I mean they got a little bit of all of it. They're a death grind. Band. They're so fucking good. 
and like this production, they don't have that. Sh- like it's just death metal can be kind of eh on tones and stuff. Everything about what they do just sounds fucking phenomenal. And uh, this isn't in the same uh, vein of like the past two records. In my opinion, I think it's backed a little more like heavy and straightforward. Kind of like the earlier stuff, like a humanure or something. Yeah, maybe. Like, well, it seems a little clean still for that. I mean, still clean, but he doesn't really have like that because like every song on Anthropocene has the fucking like that chorus voice that he does. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know exactly how to explain it, but he he doesn't do that in this song. At all, I'm sure that he eventually does it. Uh, I'm sure it will, but this track in particular just kind of takes me. Like I said, not way, way back, but you know, it's just it's a more straightforward, heavy song than uh, they because, like I said, Death Atlas. I mean, there's some atmosphere they've had on the past few. Yeah, they had a lot of atmosphere. This was just a straight fucking grooving ass. It's just a grooving heavy song. Like when I first death metal cock across the face. (laughs) Yeah, like I remember I heard this because like I'm. Uh, I guess I'd consider myself a casual fan currently of Cattle Decapitation. We saw them live a year ago. I still say I'm casual year. too because I'm not like going deep on their fucking yeah, discography. Have, but the shit the do, that I love, I'm fucking. I'm I do need to do a deep dive on their discography, which I'm sure eventually we'll get do an episode on a lot of records, but some of them are super short. Uh, yeah, like I, one day we'll we'll get to a Cattle Decap album ranking episode for sure. I'm sh- sure that might be, that might be another one. It's tiresome, but <laughs> but uh. Yeah, like they're new. I listened to Death Atlas all the way through. I know I did at least one listen to Anthropocene Extinction at least once, like, but I think that was years ago. Uh, but I listened to all the Death Atlas, and that was a solid record, but I didn't grab me like super huge. I did enjoy like the title track and some other ones in that, but this song, I said, all right, let's check out what this song uh, You went new- to the show last year, didn't yeah, you? I'm t- I'm just meant to- oh, yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, that fucking. They, the sh- they, the sounded, they were the best, one of the best sounding bands at that venue. Yeah. That I've heard too. We like, saw them at Manchester Music Hall here in Lexington, Kentucky, which is kind of uh, mm-hmm. which no no shade against Manchester Music Hall, but the sound there can be shaky depending on the band. When I saw Hatebreed, they sounded great. I didn't have a good time on stage as far as sound goes when we played there. Uh, yeah, like I don't, too, everything sounded a little too echoey there, dude. They yeah, they scream and then like something screamed back at me like three seconds later yeah, like, like I, I was losing my spot sometimes because i was like oh what the, the reverb yeah. the echo was good because like, i could hear myself better than any other video been at but it was overkill doesn't help much. when you do a sound check and then they don't turn your fucking monitors on when you start to go down set yeah that didn't help uh but yeah but this no song, shade. thank you for the show we played in front of 400 people and it was yes, a good time thank you for like having us on opening for a trade that was very nice uh we appreciate that uh but yeah this song we this <laughs> God, fuck just, you thank you we're so like we're so like two-faced sounding well, it's not, i mean but it's legit i mean you're 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 an artist you want yeah, you wanted sh- you you they want us there like three in the fucking afternoon and we do a sound check you want the sound check to be worth something yeah but uh, this first single from this upcoming terracide album you young it's this is something that you always like live for when like a band releases a first single from a new record you're looking forward to because <clears throat> it's it's rare when you get a song that grabs you so completely that like makes you get, it builds that hype because usually for a metal band whatever the first song is it's usually just like a straightforward banger heaviness groovy it's something that immediately grabs your attention and we eat our young grabs your attention from the get go with the grooves the outro that has the little refrain of the title of saying the title we eat our young 
Uh, it's got great grooves, great blast beats, great every riffs all throughout the entire song. Which I somehow I'm on Travis Ryan's Facebook. Like back before they had the page thing, I actually got him added. Oh, his personal as, Facebook. Like I got him added as a friend before they did the weird digital creator bullshit. Nice. And uh, so I saw the news, which I guess we didn't get to cover just because time or whatever, that the ass wank pheasant motherfucker that released their album art ahead of time, because uh, they were about to do their hype for the That's album. The 14-year-old and, from hey, Russia. Yeah, you fucking fuck. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> with this song coming out and the album art being gnarly and awesome, I think their hype. Uh, wagon is just fine. Bummed uh, out that it didn't work out the way they wanted it to work out, but I don't think they have any fucking worries. Yeah, I feel like everything I've seen about the song online has been positive. Uh, every, like the fans are loving it. It's being reviewed like very well. It's I think it's already like doing well on the stream numbers for them as well. Um, we are young. I, I I'm hype as fuck for this record. This might if they if the rest of this album could sound half as good as the single, I think this could wind up being like one of my favorite albums of the year. Uh, by the time we get to the years end, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. One we'll single. See. One I know single. this is the first single, but I, but their their last few albums, the output's been so phenomenal that I don't expect anything less. Yeah, this like this does have you legitimately hyped. Uh, be on the lookout for the full album. Terrasite is going to be coming out on May twelfth. Uh, the next single that we have on the list is from Lincoln Park, the track with a lost track from the Meteora record, oddly titled. Ironically titled Lost as well. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary this year of uh, Linkin Park's uh, sophomore album Meteora, which had uh, humongous hits. Of course, Linkin Park is a humongous band. One of the biggest bands, not just in rock and metal, but in general of the past like 20 years, 20 to 30 years or so. And Meteora was like sold like 6 million albums or something back uh, like up to date now. Uh, possibly more. Might have even gotten 8 million or so. And had big tracks like Somewhere I Belong and uh, freaking Breaking the Habit and some other stuff. And it's one of my, when I was in high school, before I got into Slipknot and heavier metal bands, Linkin Park was my favorite band of the time. First band I probably called a favorite band back in the day. Meteora is my favorite Linkin Park record. And this song uh, sounds, of course, it was recorded in the era and it sounds exactly like something recorded in that Meteora period where they had their, like, mixture of new metal and electronic and alternative metal elements at their peak i say uh has a wonderful chorus it's number one on the uk uh like billboard charts i think it's really high on the american billboard charts as well and a lot of lincoln park fans are very happy to have something from their prime era to enjoy uh for everybody i'm loving this record uh the song <laughs> what 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 do you think about this thing i'm not liking the word well I was never a huge fan, and I hate, like, shitting on a band. It's just, like, it's one thing if I like them and I can shit on them for the reasons I can shit on them, which, you know, whatever, like, Mega Dave. But, uh... Oh, Mega Dave. <laughs> man, I think the fucking band, and you would think I wouldn't like Chester, just what you know from my music taste or whatever. Not the first choice of Chester doesn't offend me at all, but like the the music on this motherfucker sound like a shitty tech commercial. <laughs> it's like fucking IBM fucking 
I don't know. I just they were big into electronics and sense. Well, and it's just the tones that they chose. I I, I feel like I'm watching like a 2004 fucking com- computer commercial. I don't. I don't know. The I, thing with Lincoln Park is like they're probably the most influential band for this like modern wave of like bands going melodic and going for radio. Like pretty much all the butt core and like post hardcore like that we have today is pretty much directly influenced by Lincoln Park. Yeah, uh, I think the problem is a lot of bands don't do it as well as Lincoln Park did during this era, which it's it's it, there's a lot of bands that are trying to go for that big arena hook like quality. But they can't hit the same marks that Lincoln Park did. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, like I said, I just never, never resonated with me whatsoever. So I mean, I don't want to sit here and shit on the entire time and like whatever, because to me, it's it's inoffensive. Like it's not bad. I just, like I said, I never was on the wagon. And this song, when I listened to it earlier, I got about two thirds, three quarters way through it. And I was like, "Yeah, there's nothing here for me." Man, I mean, so there you go. I mean, I don't like. So I don't want to shit on them. Like whatever. I I just don't want to outright shit on them. But for me personally, Lincoln Park's never carried any weight. To each their own. This during this era when uh, Lincoln Park was at their peak, uh, old David here was in the traditional metal circles, getting into his like Aussies and the thrash metal scene. Well, and even stuff. then, when they first came out, so what year? What years? Two thousand. Well, Meteora is two thousand three, but they Lincoln Park first so came yeah, around in two thousand. I mean, I'm literally kind of honestly discovering shit at that point. So I was honestly like into the yeah. I mean, you're you're older, your Motley Crues and the Aussies and stuff, and then. I broke off of that. Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, I, 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 different, different Dave timeline, maybe, but the one I'm on just did not do nothing for me. And this song did not do anything to reinvigorate uh, any amount of interest to go back and be like, hey, let me, let me revisit this and see what I can find on it. Just- I had a kid at work that is, discovering some shit uh from that era and he requested a couple lincoln park songs too and i put them on for him just to oblige i, I made him wait yeah. which I put lincoln him Park's like probably gonna be an album breaking episode I, was like, I put him like eight to ten songs in the, the playlist that i put on because i was like i ain't gonna give it to you right away fucker but <laughs> but uh, wait motherfucker. yeah but even then it's like man there's there's nothing wrong i just tonality was and the band was Said that was my takeaway. He's like, yes, yeah, some Even, some tech company, some progressive <laughs> tech company needed a jingle. Given yeah, I have my grouch Lincoln Park as well, but thing is though, I feel like as much as I hate on fans that like hate when bands change sounds and like hate on it so much, Lincoln Park's the one band for me when they change their sound that I'm one of those douchey fans. Like they're better on the early records and all that shit. I mean, it's uh, art. You got to be, you yeah. Know. Uh, of course, they were like one of the few bands that I like got into. Like me talking about the cold up, and you have people you, they come and go, and you, you just you keep going, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, this is part of their uh, twenty uh, year anniversary release for Meteora, and uh, give the song a uh, listen to. They also have a uh, anime inspired music video for it as well. Uh, similar, not quite as quality wise as Breaking the Habit from when I the clips I saw of it, but still interesting enough. I'm um, moving on to uh, the next single, a band that we've talked about on this thing before and have gotten a lot of hate for. I was say, this is probably our most popular clip so far. Yes, our most popular, like since uh, David's been on the podcast here with me, our most popular 
uh, podcast excerpt that I've posted on the TikToks and the Instagram reels and all that. Uh, when we were talking about Sleep Token, and old David here made an interesting comparison of Sleep Token to uh, everybody's favorite popular band, Imagine Dragons. Well, there's only one part in this song that goes there. Uh, but this uh, new Sleep Token song is titled Vor, which coincides with the announcement of a full album called Take Me Back to Eden, with Eden, which just comes out <laughs> May 19th. I said Eden, which is kind of funny considering the title of the track is Vor, which is, in case you didn't know, it's a, uh, <laughs> I don't, I know that it's about being like swallowed whole, but I don't know if it's exclusively a fetish or not. Uh, that's very popular on the internet. So just point blank, are you any higher on them after this single? No, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the thing with this is like, I, I, know, I already knew that this, Sleep Token had heavier tracks. This is where my pet peeve uh, conversation pet peeve was going to kick in. And it's a problem with a lot of metal bands, and it's not just them, but like, going back to Cattle Decapitation, just an extreme fucking example of it songwriting where does this song go yeah i feel like this is one that has like pieces it has four parts but there's no movement to me like it this is actually probably their most acceptable song to me like that for I, me, it's their other heavy song of the new ones, the summoning yeah well uh, that's i mean yeah when they go heavy is it's fine but like where and again, you don't have to have the classic song structure formula. It's just if you're going to do something that's supposed to move and like to me, it's like the song should have been building to something and it never goes anywhere to me. And they just there's so many bands that with a get away from like that traditional song structure or whatever, you know. Like me and you have actually had this distinct moment one night. I was all fucked up. I was like, listen to Stairway, listen to Bohemian Rhapsody, and listen to how they build. Yeah. None of the parts repeat. Nothing repeats. And to me, I mean, they might have a callback at the end or whatever, but like. They have uh, motifs. Up, 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 yeah, up. That up. builds and to like each, the climax. And each fucking individual part is so iconic that like. It, it could be a song in itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Bohemian Rhapsody is like three obviously, four songs on its own. Obviously, comparing this to Bohemian Rhapsody is terrible. It's, it's a that's unfair. not the point of what I'm talking about. But the point of what I'm talking about is just if you are going to do unique things with song structure and songwriting, it, something's got to be happening. And I, I just, like I said, I feel like that it was kind of directionless. Yeah, like this song, along with the summoning, which basically I like the. Uh, for example, in the summoning song in one of the early tracks they released in January, it has a wonderful groove riff to it, but they don't do anything interesting with it. They have a great hook to it that they have, but they have no other song writing, uh, no like even vocal hooks really to build around it. And again, I'm not shitting on just sleep token when I'm saying this, and I don't want to start naming a bunch of examples or whatever, <laughs> but it is a problem with metal music, and you know I know to a degree like the metal fan does push that because I mean like this sleep, sleep token is one of the Biggest bands, biggest up and coming bands there is yeah, right now. They're definitely now. the most hype band of this year for sure. And uh, I'm just, they're just like another example where it's like, man, like maybe once they get down the road and they say fuck it and start writing songs because like there's talent. I mean, they're, they're yeah. good. They got skills. Like uh, I, Vessel I, I can't is figure a out what I, I can't figure out what I don't like about it. But when I was listening to it, this was like 
of all the things that we've listened to so far, like singles wise, the the, the bands that, that are killer are fucking writing good songs, and they're usually and like I said, Cattle Decapitation writes extreme fucking metal, but will have that classic song structure. Yeah, that's it's part possible. of why Cattle Decapitation's gotten so and big is because of their song. Obviously, song. you want to not necessarily beat the same horse all the time and whatever. But if you have a song or two here and there that strays off this path, but like I said, it's just if you're going to do something that's outside that traditional song structure, take me on a journey. And I don't feel like I was, I felt like I was in a stalled car. I, I don't know. I just, yeah. And another issue I have like production wise with the song is that anytime that sleep took, I don't know. I can't speak for the earlier records um, for their heavy tracks. Uh, but, at least with this this track, Vore, and as well with the summoning, anytime they go into a heavier song, the vocals seem like they get dropped in the mix a lot. Like anytime yeah, that like Vessel scream, has screaming just... vocals, the screams seem to go in the background. See, kind but... of like they want to, they're trying to court mainstream very much so with these new singles, especially with this viral marketing style they have with dropping four singles in a row in January. But uh, they want to still be a heavy band occasionally but they don't want to commit to one or the other so they anytime they do have screams anytime they do have heavy riffs they kind of put the vocal screaming part which is the most make it most like divisive part of any heavy song for a mainstream audience they put it in the background so it kind of when you they want to go heavy it lessens the impact of that like that instrumental See, aesthetically i didn't mind how the screamy vocals sounded but I, I see the I see what you're saying. I'm not I'm not, I, but that creative decision didn't bother me. It, like I said, it was just the overall like the yeah, overall like that, art. You could get away with that if the song structure was a lot stronger. I'll say because I feel like the the Atlas Moth kind of who is a band I do like kind of has like this weird thing too, like where they're like vocals kind of sit further back than other bands, and I don't know. Like I said, I I don't want to sit here and just fucking beat. All the elements of a good band are in this band. Like I'm yeah. not. I feel like the, I want to like them more than I do because, again, I want to grow past just hating anything that has a hype train. I want to like sleep like, talking. I feel like they have all the elements to make me love this band. I have given them more chances than ninety percent of bands I fucking hate. I promise you all <laughs> that. And I, I still don't want to say I hate them. Also, this podcast is kind of forcing them to listen to. Them. Well, like I said, I don't want to say I hate them. Well, no, because I mean, even then, like I went down a rabbit hole a couple times. You know, when I was talking with the very attractive people sending me the tunes, like, and I didn't hate That's it true. the first. I mean, first time I listened to it. But the more I go, I'm just like, where, where is it going? Because, uh, like I said, I just feel like a lot of the songs just. They're not traditional song structures, and they don't take me on a journey. Yeah, I'm personally hoping that, like, whenever the full album get well, we have a date when the full album gets released. Maybe the overarching. Yeah, because like maybe because like the type of band they are with their whole like kind of like narrative they have going with the songs and like the atmosphere they try to build. Maybe when you have all these songs back to back in the uh, order that they wanted to on the sequencing of the record, maybe like because there's often time this does happen a lot where like I don't get understand or like get into the songs as singles but when you listen to the album as a collective work it winds up being way more enjoyable and understandable when we'll you have see. it all together i'm not highly optimistic of that but we shall see i need to go back and listen to the first two uh sleep token records It'll give them an honest listen to try to compare and see if they have that same thing as well uh, where, like, if you listen to the album as a whole, it's more enjoyable than just listening to these individual songs. But the people that are, like, hyping them up are hyping up these singles, too. They are hyping up the individual singles a lot. Like, I, I've seen the summoning from every attractive female that I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, this one, like, hopefully, we are, we're personally, like, we're not super into Sleep Token quite yet, but we are rooting for them to wow us. We want them to wow us. We, I was say, I don't, I don't want to hate anything. Like, I'm a fan of any heavier, or any band with live guitars getting it high mainstream attention. We need we more need of that. Yeah, we, we need, need it. that a lot. Because, like, music especially metal music is the only thing where trickle down economics actually works and it's like and the more big bands we have with guitars loud guitars in the mainstream the better because it just helps everyone else out in the scene including us as yeah, well 100 percent. so i'm all, always an advocate even you know, even though machine gun kelly's bitch ass when i did the interview with wrfl <laughs> it's like hey if he's making a guitar relevant to a mainstream body and said, I wouldn't, uh, you know, whatever. But if that's how they discover guitar, they got a trillion guitar players after that that are better that can hopefully inspire them some way, shape, or form. Yes. If MGK is the bridge, so, so be, be it. it, unfortunately. But yeah, <laughs> Sleep Token, new single Vore from the upcoming album, Take Me Back to Eden, out May 19th. Um, next single is one I've personally been looking forward to a lot. Uh, this is the new song from Frozen Soul titled Morbid Effigy featuring John Gallagher, frontman of Dying Fetus. Uh, this is going to be on their upcoming Glacial Domination album. It's also out May 19th, same day as uh, Sleep Token there. And this is also the first taste we get of Matt Heafy of Trivium's production uh, on this new Frozen Soul record. Uh, I personally like this track a lot. They lean more, it might be because John Gallagher is a guest on this track, but they lean more into the slammy tendencies that uh, Frozen Soul has. Uh, Frozen Soul usually has more of a bolt door sound with that like kind of raw, old school, groovy death metal sound, but this one's really chuggy and slammy. And I remember I first heard this on the way back from Chicago when I was listening to it. I was like, yes, give me the caveman chugs. Yeah, see, Man, I like it a lot. Unfortunately, I only got one listen on it, but I was enjoying it. Uh, I definitely gonna go back to it. Uh, it, it, it was definitely uh, as far as this batch of songs that we're talking about. I mean, obviously, there's a clear winner, but yes, we always we always talk about our favorites at the end. I think we have the same favorite. Yeah, here. I mean, I, we have to because if we don't, I'll have to d- have a conversation. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, kind of sort of like Sangui Sugabug, like. Nothing that's going to sit there and be like... They're basically like... Frozen Soul and Sangri Sugabog are kind of like the one-two punch as like the new leaders of this new they're, wave of American they're death metal. They're good. It is, like I said, the natural sounding production that I... That yes. I will say like this production sounds a little bit cleaner than what came out on their uh, album, their first debut album in Case and Ice. Uh, I don't, I'm assuming that's possibly Matt Heafy's doing because like... Everything Mahifi's done, even his black metal project Ibaraki, had very clean, pristine production on yeah. it. And I assume like that was possibly a thing that could happen. Uh, the kicks are cleaner, the uh, guitar work, even the vocals are way more understandable than they were on their uh, previous record. Uh, but it still has a lot of that power that they're known for. It's not quite a detriment. It might be a bit of an issue for some fans that like need that raw, old school style death metal. See, production. but cleaner, but cleaner can be heavier. Like, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> like, you, I mean, fuck, when Gojira was using Telecasters, man, like, it's, 
and for whatever reason, tonality wise, it worked like a motherfucker. Yeah. But uh, I feel like uh, clean cleanness works really well when you go into like techie styles. Like I remember people were hitting on the last suffocation record uh, for being a little too clean sounding, but I enjoyed it because some technical you could hear all the notes. Man, it gives it more impact. Man, no. Well, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. It, yeah. it depends how clean you get, yada, yada. When I listen to it, and I'm not super familiar with the band, I mean, I've heard shit here and there from you, and like I said, just a little bit. I like their whole uh, and ice I, and frozen gimmick. I wanted to give more to this. Uh, like I said, I listened to it getting ready for work today, and I remember just being like, fuck yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't, can't give you a super in-depth on it. Morbid FLG, It was good. It was really good. <laughs> I do like I do like this a lot, and I'm hyped to hear more coming out of Frozen Soul. This uh, was a, a pretty strong track. It has me excited for hearing more from this glacial domination uh, record. And uh, it sucks that you missed that date when they Sangry Sugabog and Frozen Soul both came through here. For Lantern, yeah, Lantern. Yeah, that, I don't that, even remember why I missed it. That show was awesome. Like I, that made me fall in love with both those bands way more when I saw them together uh, at that show. Uh, but they'll be through here again. They toured. They've toured through here a lot. They came through with Napalm Death and Wolf yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, I'll see them eventually. But yeah, like uh, that is another May album. Seems like May is going to be a very stacked month for releases, which it always is because it's right before festival Summer, season. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, their Glacial Domination album will be out May nineteenth. Uh, next on this one, is, uh, do we even have to talk about this one? Pretty much because Jonathan Davis is on it. It was so bad. One. Yeah, like th- this is uh, from. I, I, I turned this one off, and I don't. I've not turned anything off. <laughs> There's one I didn't even listen to here coming up, just because I. But I will go back and listen to it after what you said. Uh, we'll talk about it once we get to it. But yeah, now this one I can like. When it came on after, well, first let me say <laughs> you, you do is. you do give us a playlist, so I, I listen to it in the order that we're talking. Yes. So after cattle decapitation. After Sleep Token, which I knew what to expect. After <laughs> Frozen Soul. Frozen Soul and the epic, super awesome, heavy death metal shit. <laughs> this piece of shit came on. Uh, uh, I still haven't said the name of it. This is uh, the new song from Kim Dracula uh, with the track 70 Thorns, which features Korn's Jonathan Davis singing the chorus on this one. Uh, it's part of a yet upcoming unnamed album, but this will be the first full-length album for Kim Dracula. Before this, he's, uh, or they, have only released uh, singles so far. Uh, I don't know if Kim Dracula is the name of just the lead uh, person of the band, or if it's, like, the uh, the name of the whole band in general. Uh, also, I'm not sure, like, what their gender identity is, because they say they and everything, so, like, I'm also not sure of that. Uh, so I'm just going to stick with they, to be safe. Uh, this song. I'm sticking with giving this two corn cobs down. <laughs> two corn, seventy thorns. I uh, ain't even putting butter on this bitch. It seems like what Kim Dracula's <laughs> shtick is, as far as musically with their music, is that they try to jam pack as many musical genres into one song as they can for every single song that they do. I've li- I listened to a little bits of like other songs they have. It's all similar ish stuff to this. They mix together. Electronica, dubstep, alternative metal, like hip hop, trap, pretty much every modern popular music genre there is to try to stick. It's cool to have all those different influences and try to mix it together, but they're mixing it into separate sections of a song and trying to make it all cohesive and they're failing 
miserably at doing that. And this song, the only thing that saves it is Jonathan Davis's chorus, which just sounds like another corn song, honestly. Has like the gothic tinged corn vibe to it. But there it starts off with like this weird power metal howl uh for the I intro. got excited. Which, I, like, I was I was walking through the house when it came on and I heard it. I was like, who the fuck is this? And then the next part started and I was and I saw it and I was like, oh wow, this is like I, I like, nothing. I had nothing for it. <laughs> yeah, like I thought it was like, okay, that power metal house a little bit off but we'll keep trying and then it goes to this like trap beat rapping uh, thing and it was yeah and then it was like corn scat mm, yeah i don't know I just, yeah, yeah it had going to this like kind of like scat like screamed rap thing and then like the relief in the song from all the other cacophony of craziness is jonathan davis's hook that he sings on it but beyond I didn't that, get that far. I don't think I got that far. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck uh, is this?" But beyond that, because I know I've never heard of anything about the. I've never heard of Skip. This is gonna be on their first full length album. I, but it's got oh, they as like their Spotify page is one point two million. If I if I, if I write a, if I make a terrible band, I'll call it Count Possible. Count Possible. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, neither one of us are fans of the Seventy Thorns. I knew David wasn't going to be a fan of this thing. He might have thought I was going to like it. I don't like it either. Well, I, I didn't really have much thoughts other than uh, next. Yeah, so. uh, not a fan so far. Maybe in the future. <sighs> Unless Kim Dracula comes out with something that's like really awesome, probably not going to talk about them on this podcast again because this song was not that great. Can't wait for the Dave Mustaine fucking cameo. Oh, God. Who knows? It could happen. Uh, yeah, let's go on to some good shit. Uh, the next song is a collaboration between Lamb of God and Creator for a song called State of Unrest. And if you think about Lamb of God and you think about Creator, pretty much just sounds like what a crossover song would sound like. Yeah. So if you like both of them. <laughs> this is a promotion of their upcoming State of Unrest tour, uh, which originally that tour this was a tour was originally announced in 2020 and it was supposed to be a tour alongside with lamb of god creator and opening power trip was supposed to be the opener for this such a fucking banger it would have been uh but sadly uh front man of power trip riley gale passed away in 2020 and uh he was supposed to do the vocal on his track it was supposed to be a collaboration because it's going to be millie Petroza from Crater, uh, Mark Morton of Lamb of God, who originally started this track as far as the writing process of it, and Riley Gale was going to do the vocal. Uh, with Riley Gale's passing, that didn't happen, and they got Randy Bly to do a co-lead vocal with Millie Petroza. And Which is cool. They've been doing stuff with the classic thrash band, because they did the Lake of Dead cover with Mega Dave, and uh, that was good, too. Yes. Uh, so, but with this tour finally happening, uh, in Riley Gale's memory, all the proceeds from the single are going to the Dallas Hope Charities. Uh, and the Dallas Hope Charities provide shelter to LGBTQ youth, which is a cause that Riley Gale is very uh, supportive and fond of. Uh, Power Trip was meant to be the original opener of the tour, and Riley Gale was meant to sing the vocal for it. Uh, and it's kind of cool that they're still going along with this tour as well as like still... like. Donating the proceeds to charity. Especially the bigger bands doing it for in honor of a smaller Yes, because like 
Parchup was like, I've been, been huge on the rise. Yeah, uh, they, they were that hype train I yes, could get behind. Yes, they were like a hu- basically like this whole stream of bands like that we got now I'd with bands like Punch Your Grandmammy to fucking some Power Trip. <laughs> they kind of like this is like a second thrash revival essentially that Power Trip has been like mm. was kind of spearheading. Yeah. Now we got bands like uh, freaking the band that did uh, Death Western. Uh, the, that I talked about in the previous episode, Spirit Adrift, not Spirit, or Spirit World, no. Spirit World, yes. yeah, 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 Spirit World, like is quit part using of this. Spirit in your band names. Yeah, we're gonna like cancel Spirit. Say my, we're canceling Witch for Doom bands. Yeah, uh, Seasonal Witch peaked, peaked it. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like this, yeah, but they kind of kicked off this crossover thrash, like a heavier, darker crossover thrash revival with bands like Spirit World and uh, Plague Years. And and also enforced as well, all doing this kind of like heavier brand of crossover thrash that's not party thrash like Municipal Waste did back in the early two thousands. Man, uh, if you're in a band, sorry, but like whoever came first, whether it's enforced, I'm pretty sure enforced came first. But like you're like, hey, let's call our band Enforcer, which <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know they're the. Fucking naming a band such a goddamn crapshoot. It is hard. Everything's taken. Everything's taken already. I, Ghost had to have a lawsuit to get that name Ghost because, like, of course, and then they like, lost it for a second and they got it back. Yeah, it's Ghost BC for a while now. It's just Ghost. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, it's cool. Like, they're donating the proceeds to charity for the song itself. Uh, it took me a couple of listens to really get into it, but it is uh, an enjoyable song. It's got that Lamb of God bounce to it uh, with like the thrashy edge that. Uh, creator provides and the back and forth vocal creator too. has that bounce too sometimes so i mean it, it like i said stylistically that's what i was saying if you if you if you're thinking of what a creator like my god mashup song sounds like in 2023 pretty much sounds just like it and uh lemon god and creator like they uh both like randy bly and millie petroza uh both quality vocalists and having a little back and forth between them is a nice little album. That, that was something that kind of surprised me is like how quick they fucking like go into that. Like, cause most collaborations, it's like, oh yeah, you wait around for the chorus to come around and somebody. The fact that they just came it's out the gate going back and forth was cool. It was really. I think that like Millie and Randy Bly being like stylistically similar vocalists, it kind of works that they had like their. Uh, back and forth going for yeah, no, so. like, like I said, a, a creative choice that makes it that much more interesting. Yes. <laughs> that wasn't as close as it usually is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this So uh, we're five for five on tripping stories and we're pretty much five 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 for five. five for almost dropping the audio interface. Yeah. So uh one day there will not be a tripping story and one day the audio interface will be just safe. Whenever we get to it like the we can upgrade to a bigger table. I have a table in my dining room, but I also don't want to annoy all my roommates with our conversation. I'm sure they're already annoyed. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll live. I've had to hear my roommate fucking before. It's okay. Uh, Does it sound like it's good? Uh, there was a lot of spanking and slapping, and yeah. There, there you go. Uh, then I had to like look uh, the guy she was fucking in the eye. I was like, hey, I heard you like putting the like beating them cheeks real good, guy. This is cool. Beating the cheeks real good, guy. <laughs> he gave a thumbs up, just by the way, when he said that. <laughs> uh, but uh, one more track that just released today uh, that didn't they had to talk to about. Didn't uh, David didn't listen to it because it is from Attila. Uh, and the single uh, new song called Handshakes with Snakes. Terrible fucking song. Uh, it is a sub two minute song. 
Uh, so it's like straight, Shit. short, and to the point. I didn't have no investment. God damn it. Yeah, this is it's straight to the point. Uh, it has like basically like Attila Franz said in a, a recent uh, post, I think it was on Instagram or something, where he said that they're not they're done trying to be edgy just to piss people off. They're past that now. It's just gonna be like making songs that they just want to write and want to make. And they've had some like interesting creative uh, paths that they've done on some of their recent work they've done. Uh, this song, Hensook to Snakes, though, is like kind of like straight to the point. It's a nice, heavy banger. And it doesn't overstay its welcome with its one minute, 57 second or so runtime that it has. Uh, it's got some nice, chuggy metalcore riffs. Um, Franz, Franz is a better vocalist than a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, he does some interesting, uh, he has a bit of like a rap flow with some of his screams, which, uh, is like done in a pretty distinctive way. Uh, and he, he kind of goes back and forth between like straight up screams and like this rapping vocal that he has. And it's actually quite a quality song. I have to say, like, I, I enjoyed this track a lot. I actually added it to the playlist. Uh, tell is very hit and miss with me on like adding songs to a playlist with them. I saw them live once and that made me endeared me to them a lot more than they did previously. Because uh, I saw, I went to go see uh, Suicide Silence uh, with, just because I went, to, I saw Attila because Suicide Silence was a direct support on a tour they were doing, uh, along with some other big bands that I wanted to see, like Rings of Saturn, uh, and they had a uh, who else was on that? Volumes was on it as well. Attila was the band that I just didn't give a fuck about. They were just a headliner, but I stayed, watched Attila, and I was like, oh, he's they headlined over Suicide Silence. Yeah, Suicide Silence. This was like before their this was like right after the self-titled record that everybody shot on for suicide silence so on a downswing yeah it's, it's sort of bad because like suicide silence was on a downswing while attila was on an upswing as well okay uh, i can understand that yeah which i remember when i saw i saw that what the Standard, lineup was i never equated until is that big but they're yeah they are quite quite the big band now they are have like eight hundred thousand monthly spotify listeners or something like that uh well, maybe I'll give this minute fifty-seven song a chance yeah, it's later. Two minutes of your life that you'll live. If I realized it was that short, I would have probably <laughs> gave it a shot. Yeah. But I never a band that's excited me. Yeah, until it's a band that doesn't excite a lot. At least with the Lincoln Park, it was like, yeah, there's some legacy here. So even though until it's been around for a long even though while. I didn't figure I'd like it, I tried. Yeah, until I just don't. Until it's been around for almost twenty years at this point. Oh, they, well, okay, <laughs> I, uh, nothing there. Yes, not for me. Not yet. We'll see. Like yeah. I said, I'll, I'll jam that one just because. Two but minutes. Attila, Handshakes with Snakes, it's uh, surprisingly good. To me, anyway. Like, make is that, about, is that, that about jerking dicks? No, it's not about jerking dicks. They said no more edgy, dumb... Well, they might do dumb dicks, but no more like edgy piss-off people. Well, I was going to say... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're sneaking it in. They're saying that. <laughs> they're like, well, let's beat dicks. Uh, well, we shall see. They did do a song about pizza like two years ago, which... Actually, it's a pretty I mean, who the fuck there. wouldn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it for the singles. So let's talk about some of the recent album releases that have come out since the last time we talked about album releases. Uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff that came out today on this Friday, but there was some stuff we missed from previous weeks uh, that I will quickly glaze over. Oh, uh, so yeah, I was gonna say, what, what, what's our time stamp right now? Uh, we're over the two hour mark. Right okay, now. yeah, definitely speed through these if we're yeah, doing a we're fucking in flames review. Oh yeah, fuck, we do got a whole in flames review. Uh, you'll like this episode. This yeah. episode's been entertaining. So yeah, let's, let's, let's speed run these. Let's speed run. Okay, uh, so some of the big ones that came out uh, in recent weeks. Of course, there was a new album from uh, Paramore that came out. 
Um, this, This is why. It's a fucking awesome record. It's one of my favorites of the month, for sure. Uh, give that one a listen. Paramore, quality band. I have nothing for it. Uh, <laughs> Pierce the Veil released their album, The Jaws uh, of Life. Yeah, we could definitely speed around me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pierce the Veil, uh, I listened to that record, has a very strong first four or five songs, and then it just draw falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard. Like, Pierce the Veil is one of those bands because like, they, they have the whitey voice singer and they were big in the emo scene core thing in the early late 2000s. Uh, they're a better band instrumentally than I thought they would. They have some heavy tracks. They're pretty good. But this new one goes in kind of like an alternative rock grunge direction. Uh, and it has a strong couple songs in the first p- part of it. And then it just gets shitty and boring. Uh, next. <laughs> yes. Uh, next, we have... Uh, uh, Delane uh, coming back with a whole new lineup outside God of damn, the keyboards. They're still around. They are still around. Their last album that came out in 2020, I believe, it was which is called Apocalypse, Apocalypse and Chill. They have the ironically. Uh, uh, Charlotte Wessels was their singer back then. They have the chick singer. Yes, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. a symphonic metal band uh, from the Netherlands, I believe it is. Uh, they have a whole new lineup, a new singer. Uh, the only saddest, original member left is the keyboardist. I was say, saddest point, I guys, I just remember her from the hottest chicks in metal editions. Jesus of Christ. Revolver. Of course, Revolver. Uh, but hey, yeah. They participated willingly, so I mean, whatever. Hey, good press. Hey, I mean, good press. It was, as I say, it was covering women that didn't necessarily get coverage. Yes. But yeah, like uh, Delane released her album Dark Waters, which I listened through at least once. It was solid from what I remember, but not the greatest thing in the world. Uh, it was pretty all right. Uh, we also have Avatar released her album Dance Devil Dance. Yeah, still haven't gave it a listen. I listened to that on the way back from Chicago, and this is uh, it's a w- huge step up from the previous record. Uh, it's on par with their album Avatar Country, which came out like 2016 or 17. Uh, it's got a lot of crit. They said they had, this is like the most fun they've had writing a record in a long time since they first started uh, writing music together. And it shows cause they have a lot of fun with the songs on this thing. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. They did a really uh, good job with this thing. There's enough there that I should check it out. Uh, it's definitely worth it. From, from what I heard. Cause like I said, we, but we talked about the singles. Yes. And uh, I did have some, eh, things I'm not sure if it, you'll, but... I'm not sure if you'll love this whole thing, but I think you'll like appreciate it. Like well enough. I, I think I'd like it well enough too. Uh, there's an album from one man Scottish black metal project Hellripper, uh, called Warlocks Grim and Withered Hags. All right, is that all we're are we just telling people that that exists? I know it's it's a pretty solid record. It's pretty interesting. It's got it's like black and thrash stuff. One man bands the. Hey, this is a good one man band now. They got like almost a hundred thousand monthly Spotify listeners on there, and so they got a lot of popularity, and they're really good. It's like a skeleton witch ish. Yeah, type. but but how many Spotify listeners does Sleep Token have? Like one point two million or so. Well, see, like and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, fucking, you like a lot of bands that are in that. I know. I, I'm just giving you shit. But yeah, like Hell Ripper, actually, like I, I listened to it once through. Ripping ass tracks. If you like some black and thrash shit, it better good. be the ripping in the name. Hit, hit ripper in the name. Uh we got. Do, do, do. How many more? We got a couple more. Uh, we have uh, the new album releases that came out today. That's the older ones. This is all stuff that came out today. Of course, you have a new album from Steel Panther uh, titled On the Prowl. Yeah, um, we had a group chat discussion about this. Yes, uh, I listened to it once through today. Uh, there's some quality tracks in there, like uh, like the first track was like staying up, like never too late to get some pussy or something was the first song, and yeah. have some other. The first half of that album is fucking stellar. For, I was for a band I wore the fuck out and pretty much was wearing everybody I could out on them. I 
the last couple albums, I'm just like, all right, the gimmick. I still sing 17 Girls in a Row every now and again. Yeah, no, those, those first three albums are really good. Uh, but I just think, yeah, the gimmick to me, and this, like I said, Lexi Fox. I ain't got no more hair guitar or hair bass on those or whatever. <laughs> well, you do got satchel riffs. I mean, that's keeping yeah, that band Worth alive. listening to for that alone if you're not familiar with Steel Panther. But if you've been along for the journey, it's long in the tooth. Uh, we also have a new album from Insomnium, progressive metal band. Uh, with their album Anno 1696. Uh, I didn't get a full list or two of that, but listen to like the first three or four tracks. So good stuff. If you're like Insomnium, you'll probably like this album, possibly. All right, next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just because we got to speed through here. Yes. Uh, Godsmack with their final album they say they're releasing called Lighting Up the Sky. I made it four songs deep and cut that shit off. And, and I like Godsmack, and man, I didn't like this thing, these last two records. They changed their sound to be a more melodic band. I liked them a lot better when they were doing caveman blue collar bullshit, like crying like a bitch. It was way better when they were ignorant, way better. Uh, they have a uh, dope, uh, whose frontman is uh, the f- new frontman for Static X is Zero, which they still won't say it is, but everybody knows it is. Uh, the dope has a new album called Blood Money. Part zero. God damn, I, have, I had a dope CD once. Uh, I listened to the first song on a record. Surprisingly good. I mean, they're they're not for what it is. If you like that style, it's it's it's, good. it's white trash bullshit, but it's not bad. It's white trash alternative metal that's surprisingly enjoyable. Still, like he he's got skills writing. I'm this thinking stuff. that one of their songs was on True Crime Streets of L.A. Probably that sounds uh, like it'd be on there. There were a few bands on that soundtrack that I got into because of the era and time and video games were influential uh, musically. Uh, but that was yeah. a big reason why I got into a lot of metal was video games in that era. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's next? <laughs> uh, getting some more underground stuff now. Uh, we have Big Brave with their album Nature Morte. Big Brave is a kind of like post metal doomy type of band. Are they a bunch of pissed off Indians? No. God damn it. Uh, Big Brave. <laughs> there's some form of Europeans. Uh, post-metal, proggy-ish stuff, like very doom atmospheric stuff. Female vocalist, who's also the drummer, I think. That's cool. I was confused this band with uh, that one Belgian band with the female drummer singer, uh, whose name escapes me. I was But Big Brave, I haven't got a chance to listen to this one yet, but their last album Big Brave had was excellent uh highly recommend you checking us out if you like anything in the post metal uh category uh viking metal Hydevolk uh with the new album Werderk here on napalm records uh this in the first two songs of that quality viking metal stuff i've got nice heaviness with a little bit of folksiness in there definitely worth your time uh omega infinity with their album the anti-current out on season of mist records this is some industrial black metal stuff I uh, listened to a track of it. It sounded pretty all right. I didn't listen to the full thing, though, so it might get worse after that. <laughs> no promises. And... and we have, I don't even know how to pronounce this shit. Uh, it is uh, hip. It looks like it's trying to say hypnos, but there's instead of an S, there's a five. <laughs> the band name. Hypno five. Hip, I, I don't know. Hypno five E. With their album Show, this is out on Pelagic Records, the record label of the Ocean Collective, uh, for which is specialized in proggy, uh, atmospheric bands of the rock and metal variety. Uh, 
have an album from a band from the Ukraine, an all-female hardcore outfit called Death Pill with a self-titled record out on New Heavy Sounds Records. Uh, those are a few songs of this. This is some nice, angry, Riot Girl-esque uh, punk and hardcore uh, going on. Uh, actually excited to check out the rest of that because the first little bits I heard, good shit. Uh, only 700 or so monthly Spotify listeners, but it sounded pretty good, I have to say. Uh, Dark Embrace with their album. God damn, how many albums are there? There was a lot that came out today when I was browsing through. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, today that we ain't fucking checked out. How many more are there? Four. Rapid Fire. Alright, uh, we got Dark Embrace to Dark Heavy Metal. Uh, that is some like uh, gothic-y, classic, traditional metal stuff. Sounded pretty good. Out on Massacre Records. Body Farm with Ultimate Abomination on Edge Circle. Uh, kind of like some very atmospheric death metal material. A band that's been around for a good while, but never really got a whole lot of renown, as far as I know. Uh, Megaton Sword with the album Might and Power on Dying Victim Records. Uh, classic heavy metal. I'm assuming it was going to be power metal with the name like Megaton Sword. Yeah, yeah, I would say. But it's more of a classic traditional metal thing, more Which, so than I mean, power metal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's splitting hairs. It's say. not like big power metal shit, but it's okay. Uh, no Spill Blood. With their album Eye of Night on Svart Records. That at this point you could be making shit up and I'd be like <laughs> uh-huh. On Dookie Records. <laughs> that's a, that's the joke. Uh No Spill Blood. They're kinda like an industrial uh metal type of thing, which is like, all right. And Sienna Root, I told y'all about this one. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance, but uh, I, I will check her call out. Call their style dynamic root, roots rock. Uh, they're from Sweden, but Sweden specializes in a lot of quality stoner rock, I've noticed. Uh, stoner, roots rock, folk rock, and things of that nature, as well as a whole lot of other styles. But they have a big specialization in that. Uh, with their album Revelation out on Atomic Fire Records, they are a bigger band. They got 40,000 monthly listeners and pretty quality sounding stuff on her. I called them uh, a harder Almond Brothers, uh, which is, I'd say that's a pretty good description to, in my eyes. None of them are bigger than me, Dante. And old Mega Dave makes his reappearance. He never goes away. But that is all the releases. We spat through that. Yeah, sorry. We're just getting long in the tooth here. We give enough time to the very important records that we have So let's say, and we're at what? We are at 213. God damn. Well, let's spend the last 15 minutes or so. Talking about the new album from In Flames titled Foregone. But before that, I'm going to take a piss. All right, so we're talking about... Hey, fuck you. It's officially my birthday. It's a fi- uh, Yes, it is. Happy, <laughs> birth- happy birthday, Mr. David Andrew I was Langley. waiting for that. You uh, are- I was waiting for us to come back on to just throw it out there. <laughs> you are officially 31 years old. We recorded this. I'll be at 31 at 8.09 p.m. 8.09 p.m. I don't so know, I got a minute. I don't know what time of day. I know I was born at night. I just looked at my birth certificate because I went and got my license. So, so You're not 31 yet, goddamn. I know, but uh, it is the day. It is the day of. It is February The day 25th. of your musical Christ. It, it is, is here. The musical Christ. And also, happy birthday to... Woo! Rick Flair. Rick Flair's of birthday. You have a share, of course you would share a birthday with Flair. You know who I share a birthday with? Hitler? No, I'm just kidding. No, that's Close. Donald Trump. Yeah, well, yeah. Goddamn. But I do also share a birthday with King Diamond, so yeah. Uh, the longest tenured Tennessee Titans coach of all time, Jeff Fisher. So that's weird. But it's yeah, the Tennessee Titans coach I know. Besides and George Harrison, there. the Beatles. Well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a few good ones. Bury the lead. There. <laughs> and well, I mean, we talked about it before, but. 
Pantera's vocal display of power. In the album, yes. The day I was born. Also, my birthday's on flag My, my mama agrees. I, I was a vulgar display of power. <laughs> vulgar display of pussy destruction. Uh, Don't talk about my mama like that. <laughs> All right, In Flames. We're, we're getting off topic. Okay. Uh, new album from In Flames. I believe this is their 15th record uh, titled Foregone. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz about this record because a lot of people have been saying this is the best In Flame record in years. Uh, of course, like in case you have them, like In Flames is one of the most influential bands really in metal history. Uh, they're responsible for, the, uh, partially responsible for the birth of the uh, melodic death metal um, musical genre and part of the Gothenburg metal scene, which birthed bands such as In Flames, uh, At the Gates, uh, Dark Tranquility, and many others who are highly influential in the world of metal for bringing a melodic edge to the extreme I would say any of your sound. melodic metalcore stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, I was getting to that. As yeah. well as the whole American metal melodic metalcore scene influencing bands like Trivium, Killswitch Engage, Azalea Dying. Lexington's Own Society's Plague. Lexington's Own Society's Plague. Fucking, you name a band, a metalcore band in the early 2000s, bleeding through just so many bands. And Flames is an influence on them. God forbid. And all those bands. Yeah. Uh, they are all ripping off In Flames and At the Gates, pretty much. Uh, more, I feel like, especially In Flames, because they kind of had that, like, a melodic edge that, like, a, more of the melodic uh, metalcore bands of that early 2000s era were aping. Uh, and of course, they had, like, their early records that were really popular, like Colony and The Gesture Race, but they really broke through with 2000s Clayman. Which was a huge breakthrough record for them, which was also followed by records like Reroute to Remain, um, Soundtrack to Your Escape, Soundtrack to Your Escape, Come Clarity, and Come Clarity was considered by many to be the last universally accepted as the last universally great uh, In Flames record. But even some were jumping off already at this point because of the melodic tendencies of the band. Was well, and, the, and as I've alluded to on prior episodes, like the jumping off point for everybody is kind of different. Yeah. Um, because I would say that mine was Sounds of a Playground Fading. Because um, I really loved A Sense of Purpose. Um, and like I said, I liked Come Clarity. Um, but I also like, had heard of people talking about Soundtrack to Your Escape that way. So like it, it, it was like a four-album almost progression of like, was like people just different people jumping it. off. And it's just like, I think the jumping off the wagon pretty much was... I would say Sounds of the Playground Fading is the latest there. I mean, some other people may have stuck around a little longer. Uh, but I feel like the fans that they had from that point on were with what they were doing. Yes. And, They're also uh, getting new fans simultaneously with this new... But fuck, a sense of Purpose was, what, 2008? Yes. So a band that I legitimately love as a kid, I put them in my top five at the time. Like There, there was actually a, a MySpace, just by the way. I had a I had a, I had a top five favorite bands on MySpace, and I think it was Gojira, Amon Marth, In Flames, Alice in Chains, and 
one, and like I said, it's me trying to remember MySpace. So sorry, but I remember four of the five. This uh, was like, it was high school for me, so this is like early. Who would I put fifth at the time? Because it was it was bands of the era that I was putting on that list. I mean, not of the era, because I mean, uh, I put Alice in Chains. I put Alice in Chains up there. I mean, fuck, I might have been doing Ozzy or something still too. I don't Absolutely. know. But but long story short, I was so high on them that I legitimately considered them my second favorite band for a long time after Gojira. Um, and I got off the wagon myself around sense of purpose. And like I said, that jumping off point varied from people from person to person. Because uh, like I said, it's been a point of contingency for a long time within Flames. And I think that differing jumping off point, honestly, probably in the long run helped them because, I, you know, people are like, well, why the fuck, you know, are people jumping off? And, you know, back to the point of that I made about the interview where they're like, yeah, we play the old shit and, you know, nobody gives a fuck. So, <laughs> uh, but coming into this one and with the singles, I was, I was highly optimistic and I've actually been binging the fuck out of this album. Nice. Like I, I, I adore it. Uh, I'm not going to say it has all the old characteristics that I was just, that made it in one of my top five bands. They definitely have some of their new characteristics in there, but it felt like a revisiting an old friend while going on a new journey, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like for me, personally, on like the Inflames uh, discography, I am very late to the Inflames game. Like I was like in high school during the early to mid 2000s, I was uh, influenced by the bands that Inflames influenced, all the uh, melodic metalcore bands like your Triviums, your Inflames, your Killswitch Engages. Uh, but I, when I first heard Inflames, uh, I discovered them at a very odd time i discovered them on that a sense of purpose album with their song battles which sounds nothing like the rest of their a sense of purpose because that's 2008 yeah 2008 battles yes that was the lead single on uh, a sense of purpose uh and that was the first uh, uh the mirror's truth would have been because battles is not on that album uh, alias never mind yeah uh, alias yeah i knew you were as i say uh come on now i thought it was battles uh yeah since a, uh, uh, alias was the first in flames track that i heard which sounds nothing like anything else they've done i fucking <laughs> love that song uh, i do li- like that song a lot and i'd like that and i enjoyed it but then i checked out the rest of the album that it was on and didn't like it at the time uh, i didn't really vibe with me and then like as i got older and was like trying to learn the uh influences of all the melodic metalcore bands i was into at the time uh and flames was the, the name common, popping up the, the common thread and i was like what that, that band with the with the alias song so like i uh browse just quickly browse over some of their like other songs i heard like oh i get it now this is just like what kills such a gauge and other bands are doing without the breakdowns uh for the most part uh, which is probably what endeared me to him. <laughs> probably. Because like I said, uh, everything was a, built and based around fucking breakdowns. So I finally, you know, and I've gotten over that a little bit in older age because fuck, it's fun to be dummy heavy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but yeah, I mean, you have any more? Yeah. And like, ahead, sorry. As I was like, uh, so like I was slowly getting listened to a little bit more of In Flame stuff. I listened to some of the like big uh, the big singles that they're well known for with songs like Only for the Week, which is still their most popular track overall. Uh, I got into uh, some like uh, Take This Life, which is probably my favorite song of theirs uh, currently. Uh, as well as some of their other stuff from their quote-unquote alternative metal era, like uh, I the, like uh, I Am Above from their previous record, which is one of my favorite songs of theirs, and a few other tracks. Uh, 
but also like in the lead up to this review here, I started listening to some of their big records of recent. Like I listened to Clayman all the way through, uh, both the original and the uh, remaster, uh, as well as uh, I listened to Reroute to Remain, Come Clarity from 2006, and I listened to their last record, Eye of the Mask, as well to try to get like and a sense of purpose. I listened to that full thing as well to try to kind of get an idea of their different eras, how they've changed over the years. And I remember jumping from Come Clarity to their previous record, Eye of the Mask from 2019, and going, oh my god, they had to change a lot, yeah. even just in that little stem of time. Uh, and so it gave me a lot more perspective on what longtime Inflame fans will either the, the like, plight. The, and like or dislike about this new record. Uh, what their complaints were over their discography up to this point, as well as what their uh, newer fans who got into them through their alternative metal era will enjoy about this record as well. Uh, I have also like been listening to this album for like review purposes, but also just out of pure enjoyment because this album front to back is quite enjoyable, I say, and it has like the best of both their thrashy melodic death metal era and their newer alternative metal era as well the only like there's one negative and for whatever reason the intro track going into track two has a audio drop off that i don't understand really i I know like the opening track is kind of like the acoustic guitar thing yeah but it's like up here and then like if you have like the stereo cranked and you're listening to it like when the next one kicks in it, it it dies a death like quality and i've not heard an album that does that huh. uh because like in uh other songs on the album that combine those two things it doesn't happen like that either but for, like the first track seems like boosted and then the second one which you know state of slow decay is a fucking banger oh yeah that was like the first single of this overall which initially built the hype yeah let's say it, it got me it got me very optimistic because i remember hearing it and i was like oh shit yeah that one grabbed uh, me pretty quickly say, as well. we, 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 we talked about it immediately and i was like fuck uh meet your maker uh was the single that we covered right uh that was the yeah that was the latest single on the like uh, last EP which had all their so I was on. down on it in the context of the record I'm much higher on it yeah that might be my favorite track from this record honestly um my favorite track's probably one that you wouldn't think what is your favorite track from this one? uh the pure light of mind really that's your favorite one. dude uh something and i've always said because like i said even in previous episodes i've alluded to the fact that i've said that a lot and <laughs> alluded to uh for whatever reason it's been like my catchphrase for this fucking besides the mega dave but uh every time they do like a more traditionally ballady song it, it, they that style they fucking nail and they don't overdo it on the record too too much yeah um let's say because like the complaints i have with the inflames records that i haven't listened to i can't say that i've like i, I keep saying i need to go back and actually listen to them uh because my complaints aren't going to be fresh uh when i'm talking about it i just know that i lost interest uh but when I first heard this one all the way through, I told my sister, because me and her both highly enjoyed A Sense of Purpose, I was like, I think this album's better. Than yeah, this is purpose. definitely better. Because like, me personally, with A Sense of Purpose, that was like one of the records I listened to leading up to this. And that seems to be like a kind of collective dropping off point for a, a large majority of older fans. 
see, we both love the record, but we also saw them live around the time, and they were fucking on. They were, yeah. they were stylistically though, like the change from a sense of purpose from the previous record, come clarity, is very audible. They don't. They double down on the whole like melodic big arena hook like attempt at courses and stuff. And it and it worked, and I maybe like that progression is what eventually it's just that record itself yeah because like i personally don't like a sense of purpose that much yeah, I, see, I, tried mean, to get it, I do love uh, alias because that track was the first track i've heard and of course there might be a nostalgia factor to it because like i was around well the mirror's truth age. was on madden <laughs> that, that might so i highly enjoyed that uh sleepless again was a great fucking song delights and anchors was great chosen pessimist i mean yeah. Whatever you don't like it, it's still a strong record to me in the discography. I mean, fuck it. As a yeah. guy that was like the first few songs were living it. Strong. The Mirror's Truth was a good one. Uh, really, like all the way up to Alias. Yeah, those first four tracks were solid. Uh, but then I think like after that, it started having a drop off point where it didn't really have the same. Yeah, I'll I'll take you through the chosen pessimist and say it drops off. Like the last little bit of the album probably gets long in a tooth. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed this seems to be like a trend since they're like from that album onward where the first half or first third of like in flames albums are always pretty strong, pretty strong tracks. But then there's this drop off in quality. Uh, they front load a lot of their albums since then with the previous record. I, the mask uh, that I listened to recently, uh, the opening few tracks are awesome voices, the title track, call my name. And I am above, which is a, one of the best songs I feel like they've ever done. Uh, but then see, I remember listening to it when it came out, and I was very mad. Yeah. Uh, so you see, that's a, here's the thing: two different people that are saying that Flames <laughs> is a great band, and we're not agreeing on anything about. There it is. Oh fuck! It finally ding, fell. ding, ding. Oh shit! Uh, that got slightly picked up in the uh, audio. Oh well, good. So say. that's for the fans. Dante uh, is a. Re- I finally uh, dropped the audio. In the he, face. He's a reckless behemoth of a man. Uh, uh, it's still working. We're still being recorded. So there you go. But uh so yeah, but the, and I just I always say that when when there's point of contingencies with a band like that, it's almost a sure sign of how good they are. Yes. It shows that they definitely have a diverse Cuz you you can, you can have Someone's the conversation and it's like I'm not going to sit here and be like you're fucking wrong. Uh cuz but you are. No, but <laughs> but, uh, but but uh yeah, man. Uh, and this this album definitely, man, like front to back cuz like Sinister Sinusure, Sinusure, Sinusure. I've been calling it Uh Fucking the bass tones and burr, shit. Yeah, burr, it's burr, cool. Burr, it's burr, cool. Burr, burr. And then dialogue, that bass tone is fucking awesome. And then that. dialogue and B flat minor, which that, that is all, yeah, all they're like. all really good. Uh, like I said, the album peaks. Like I've actually like when I get the pure light of mind, I actually I've actually been repeating that, and I don't repeat songs. I'm not that guy. Yeah. I do but enjoy that one for whatever reason. It's resonating with me, and I don't know. It may. I'm sentimental this time of year, anyways. The cold open, <laughs> the cold open, kind of gave, gave a little bit of that. Uh, so maybe that's just, it's just it's just hitting my hitting my my heartstrings in the right way. Uh, yeah, like- but yeah, man. Uh, I don't I don't know what to say. I like about it more than all the stuff that I because, I, like I said, I didn't really give attention to the stuff when I fell out. So I can't really sit here and say why I like it more than the shit that's come out. I just know that I lost interest for a long time. State of Slow Decay as a track fucking hooked me back to want to listen to this album. You know, same thing as we were talking about that Cal Decapitation single. Like, that first single, if it grabs you and you're like, oh shit, 
this is a perfect example. That first single grabbed me from the get-go, and I just I wasn't fucking disappointed in the fucking least. Um, I won't call it my favorite, but the way I'm listening to it, it could be. Like, I'm that high on it. Um, and I don't know... Like the other Inflames fans that I that I've known throughout the years, whether they haven't really had the conversation with too many people, I'm sure this will create a little dialogue with some of those people. Um, so I don't I don't know what the overall opinion is. Uh, you're saying it's generally positive. Yeah, like from everything I've seen online, the general uh, consensus is that this record is excellent. It's the best record they've done in years. At uh, I don't know about there's a lot of people saying this is their favorite record ever, but. They do say that is the first enjoyable in Flames record that they've had, if uh, even for fans that dropped off the wagon. For I'm a while. binging it enough that it could be. I don't want to. Like I said, I, I would put it probably. I don't know. It's hard. Like, me, it, they're a hard band. Like I'd have to actually go back and listen to everything because as far as ranking the shit, because I, I just. Eventually, we'll have it in flames. For me, liking a sense of purpose as much as I do, you know, I have a wider spectrum of what I enjoyed up until that point. So, like, ranking those albums up to that point is hard for me. Uh, So, throwing an album like this that is super fresh, I mean, you want to give it some time before you make any grand fucking uh, gestures at it. But like I said, when I text my sister after my first listen, I was like, dude, this might be better sense of purpose. And that was the album me and her honestly bonded over and fucking was super into uh, at the time. And like I said, we had just seen them live, I think, twice on that tour. Yeah. Uh, between Gigantor and the Expo 5 show I, I explained uh, on previous episodes. And uh, so, yeah, just for my leaping off point being able to go back to that and almost almost definitively say I like this record more than that that's a hell of a fucking thing for me to say There's at a this point when a new record can top a classic record you have sentimental value for yeah for sure. and um yeah i mean i would say it's firmly in the top 3 to 5 for sure uh as far as how i'm feeling about it right now I mean, obviously that can change, and it is fresh, it is new, it may not age as well, but like I said, fucking Pure Light of Mind might be a top five song for me, and they have a lot of really good fucking songs, so (laughs) uh, I would grade it at, man, see, I got a grade one album's hard. What I do is, like, I usually rate stuff out of a five uh, for me, that's what I normally do for ranking up. I'll firmly put it at a four. Out of four? Firmly. Firmly. It could go up, could go down. But like I mean, I, I don't think it'd go down. I, I think I think it can only go up. I say that for me, uh with this album, of course I don't have like as long of a history with In Flames as you do, so I'm still a relatively new fan. Out of the albums that I, I still need to listen more to the pre Clayman records. I just want to be tough on like not giving something a high score to. Like yeah. I don't want to be like five or eight. Like depending on how we're doing the grading for whatever yeah. we're talking about. Like I wouldn't put this as like a perfect score, but this is out of what I've heard through the year so far. This is possibly my favorite record of the year so far. If I said four and a half right now, I wouldn't be mad. But I'm going to put it firmly at four. I could almost give this four and a half. I'd say that I'd give this one a four out of five myself. Four point two five. Okay, now we're getting a little four, too. four and a quarter. Uh, personally, I would give this a four out of five. Out of In Flames records that I've heard and listened to, this is probably my second favorite after Reroot to Remain. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of things that, like with this record, I've noticed 
a reason why a lot of people are liking it is because I say it's kind of very comparable to the Come Clarity record, in that it has that happy balance. It founds the same happy balance between this uh, big arena alternative uh, metal hooks that uh, Come Clarity had, where Anders uh, Froden, I think is his last name. I've always said Freyden. Anders Freyden. It's probably Anders Freyden. Uh, has a lot of confidence in his vocals uh, these days. Where then he, can, he cut his dreadlocks. That was a big yeah. jumping off point. <laughs> when Anders head. got a lot less sexy. <laughs> he cut the drugs, got less sexy. Oh, he's dude, really, no, he's no, always no, had no, the no, anti-rock star look anyway. He's wearing flannel and jeans. So like, there are certain dudes me and my sister perv over. <laughs> 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 and Anders was one of them. Uh, I haven't gotten a good look at his face really to say one way or the other. No, it wasn't about his face. It was just Anders. It was it was the whole package. Uh, Joe, does, Joe 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 DePlantier is in there. He 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 does have that little. Uh, Sebastian Bach is definitely in there. We we we've perved over some Sebastian Bach. <laughs> um, yeah, me and my sister have a weird relationship. <laughs> That's it's Kentucky. Well, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, no, not not like that. <laughs> I just but, had to say it. But but our man crushes are uh, usually pretty mutual. <laughs> uh. Yeah, like this record, like I could tell why it's getting so much attention because it has kind of like with the hooks on this thing, like it has a lot of people, the old classic Inflames fans have been down on the alternative metal, like arena, like radio hooks that they go with. And also the production job on some of their uh, last few albums have been like a little bit weaker. It doesn't have that same bite, that same edge that some of the early records See, have. Yeah, the shit that goes on this album fucking goes. Yes, they and definitely when- bring, they brought that like thrashy melodic death metal edge to it with songs like say the slow decay uh, meet your maker which has probably my favorite vocal performance Anders has on this record because something i forget about Anders is well known for his like for higher fry screams that he does because it's very distinctive he has a lot of his natural voice mixed into it but on meet your maker he his lows some, are good he has some powerful guttural lows in meet your maker like me sure maker like fuck i forgot he could get that low uh and it's got like some some balls to it which is makes that one like a standout for me, uh, but he does it and take this life a little bit, yeah, a little bit. I feel like he sticks more so to his high fry. Oh, he does. But I'm just saying he he's always he's always had it yeah. integrated in there. But like even when the band goes like full melodic on a track like Bleeding Out, which like uh, that track is like it's straight up fits with any of their uh, other modern records, we're saying like Battles or Sound of Playground Fading or anything of that, uh, but. With this mixture where they're adding in more of the heavy material, more of that old mellow death sound into it, it allows the alternative metal, like melodic stuff to stand out a lot more. Yeah. Where it's like that ha- like those melodic tracks with the like hooky radio hits like songs on it, it allows it to stick harder because it's a contrast to these heavier tracks like your Foregone's part ones, your meet your makers, slow decays. And all that and the last half of the record really goes really melodic but it has such strength to it like being mixed in with all the uh heavy stuff that it met it's just like the best version of their melodic sound as i said it was meeting an old friend for a new journey yeah and i think that sums it up perfectly for me yeah it's like i'd say like this album is just a wonderful mixture of pretty much their entire history honestly they it's the best of like everything that Inflames has done, and it's currently one of my favorite records of the year so far. Definitely going to be one of my favorites of this month for sure. I don't binge a lot of new albums that are from bands of that era. 
like I would say like the most binged record I've had or usually I mean we alluded to the homies earlier because I do binge my fucking yeah, homies I fucking love them uh, like I said we're playing with some of the greatest bands in the world I don't give a fuck <laughs> I, I full heartedly believe that um, but yeah like I mean for the four and the strange band record and shit like I've been binging like that but like me binging a new 2000 early 2000s metal band record usually it's just like a one or two really, list really yeah and i'm just like well i know but as far as like their their true height yeah. True was, heyday. yeah broke through um but yeah man like uh, i don't binge i haven't been i mean i binge my gojira because i mean it's my favorite band but like i said like i I'm glad that this record exists because it's making me want to go back and revisit some of the stuff I was down on. It, it's making me go back and listen to all the old stuff that I've always loved. And uh, bravo and flames and thank you. Uh, as a as a kid uh, that loved you, I am now a 31-year-old adult that has no fucking shame in saying I love you again. <laughs> and fuck anybody who says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, so It's because of me, Dave. <laughs> you went to Gigantor, Dave. Uh, so there you have it. It all goes much. back to Dave Mustaine. Uh, both me and David giving uh, very positive reviews, highly positive views of the new In Flames record for Gone. Both giving four out of fives. This record, it's one you definitely need to listen to and give it a spin. Uh, even if you haven't heard In Flames before, this is a really good starting point, even if you haven't given In Flames a chance yet. Because uh, it has like a good taste of like their entire. It'll give you everything. Era. Yeah, it gives you a good gist of what they sound like. If you like heavier shit than this album, you got heavier shit than this album. If, if you you're like early metal, early two thousand metalcore, you'll like this one. You want that mixture of melodic and heavy? It's got that. It's got nice guitar work. It's got so great. yeah, it's great. What, whatever you're into, you got something to uh, sink your teeth into. Yes. So in flames, foregone. Good record. Listen to it. Uh, and I believe that is all we have for you. Thank all fucking today. God. This is our I'm longest. tired of looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> this is our longest episode yet. We've drank a lot. We're hungry. We you we, drank we, a lot. I, I drank five. I, I stayed responsible. I drank five. I, I had to stay responsible. I drank five pot, pints, uh, honestly. But I've kept the ship sailing quite well. I'd say. Yeah, we've God been damn. doing all right. We do all right. And I say this episode is quite entertaining with a lot of good material in it. Uh, be sure to. Uh, keep, follow, subscribe to the podcast here. Uh, if you're on listening on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as check out the uh, standard uh, Heavy Haystack YouTube channel as well, where we'll have like a little bit of uh, excerpts from here and like standard YouTube videos in a more traditional YouTube format, as well as listen to us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Give the podcast five stars to be able to spread the word to more people and grow the Heavy Haystack family even larger. And to have your own music played on the podcast, be sure to or even give us a question that we can answer here right on the pod. Uh, drop an email uh, to theheavyhaystack at gmail.com and we shall answer those for you or possibly get your band music on the podcast uh but until next time uh next episode possibly will be another news and new singles episode. yeah because i have not listened to any yes, dillinger acacia string so the next planned album ranking episode is going to be a i have uh, to do extra research yeah it's going to be on the dillinger skate plan it's a band that david is completely unfamiliar with and i need to listen to their discography as well a whole lot more before i can talk about them 
and that level of capacity. Uh, so the next one's going to be another news and reviews episode. We will be talking about new records that will be coming out in singles. Uh, but yeah, keep in touch. Keep uh, subscribed. Send emails if you want to ask questions to the podcast or d- direct messages on Instagram, Facebook, what have you. Uh, but until next time, uh, peace, love, music, and we shall see you all. Sweating bullets. Deuces. On the next episode. <laughs> Goddamn, David. <laughs>